may never look at your town or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, where we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where spring is about ready to spring out and uh, uh, with, uh, with some good temperatures. And, you know, as we look out our studio windows, we can see the uh, tulips are, what are they, Eric? I don't know, flowers, but they're, they're, they're coming in, so it's kind of good, good to see. Folks, we broadcast live every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here on the Global Star Radio Network. We're also simulcast on BTR, Blog Talk Radio, that is. And we're simulcast, and you can watch us live, as well as by archive, on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Links to each audio and video venue available on hagmanandhagman.com. Real simple, hagmanandhagman.com. There you can watch the show in real time. Watch it via archive. It's there. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps us with the metrics. It helps us in a number of ways. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's our official YouTube channel. Just go to hagmanhagman.com. Click on the subscribe link, and you'll you'll get it right there. And don't forget, we've got two separate websites. Go to hagmanhagman.com. That's for the uh, the show information and for the show and then hagmanreport.com for information that uh, uh, for news that affects all of us and important news and show prep portions of tonight's broadcast so proud, so proud to be part of this proflowers.com proflowers.com you know, Mother's Day it's coming up quick I'm going to tell you, Mom has always been there for you. I know she has. And whether it's whether it's cooking for you, giving you advice on that relationship, or just making you feel better when you fall down and go boom, take care of Mom. 
Take care of mom this Mother's Day. Proflowers.com. they got a great offer coming up. Uh, mom, you can, for your mom, get 200, or I'm sorry, get 100 balloons of the free glass vase for just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Or, or make her day extra special. You can upgrade to a premium vase and add gourmet chocolates for just 10 bucks more, nine ninety nine more. Go to proflowers.com today. Use our code HAGMAN. That's proflowers.com. Use our code Hagman. Folks, don't forget mom, your wife, the mother of your children, or, or, or that special someone. It doesn't have to be Mother's Day. It can be just to say, I love you, or I'm thinking about you. Proflowers.com, our special code Hagman. More on that later. Folks, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm tonight. With Joe Hagman, my son, fellow investigator researcher, something I like to call America's premier investigative father, son, investigative team, reporting team. I'm never the Hagman seen Hagman report. The DNA test that proves it, but well, I'll take yeah. your word for it. Uh, uh, what is it, Maury Povich, uh, <laughs> or, or who was it? Yeah, Maury Povich or somebody? Jerry Springer? I don't know. Where, where they said, uh, you know, yes, it is a match. You are the father. Yeah, I haven't seen that either, so. No, anyway, I'm just kidding. well, actually, that's uh, not too far off, right? Um, we anyway, get a great show. Yeah, we do. Um, we have uh, John Robertson with us, our Hollywood insider. Yeah, we got to get a new, new nickname, new handle for John. Um, he has put together a fantastic show. This is a show for the Hagman and Hagman listeners and the body of Christ, the Church. And it will be, um, this hour we have John, uh, Sergeant Tim, Pastor Billy Crone. Next hour we have Flip Benham, Pastor David Langford. And then third hour we have Coach Dave Dobbemeyer and Pastor Flip Benham. We're going to be talking about issues pertaining to the church, from prophecy to spiritual warfare, to our duties as congregants, as the body of Christ. And remember... Now, Coach Dave Dobmeyer is going to be on today. I, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but I remember us talking yesterday about Coach Dave Dobmeyer about Target. How ridiculous of a policy is it that Target allows a man who identifies as a woman to use the, the ladies' restroom? And let me tell you something. Coach Dave Dobmeyer has the cojones to go out there and to say, no, not on my watch. This is BS. And, of course, he was escorted off the property by police officers the day before yesterday. Today he went in to talk with a manager of Target to get their official explanation about what uh, what their policy is. And it's real simple. You feel like a woman? You're a guy? Yep. You, you have the uh, the appendage dangling down. Okay, sorry to be graphic. And I'm okay. not laughing because it's funny, it's sad. I actually what, you heard an interview today, yeah. somebody asking, it was a local news uh, station asking customers of Target who were going in and out, one lady in particular, if she minded if a man were to come in and use the woman's bathroom while she was in there. And she happily said no. It would be fine. Well, what's that? Absolutely yeah. selected. We got like to get mic'd up there, Eric. Eric the tech is uh, saying a lot. He's he's having uh, he's having conniption fits. Just like the magicians, this. you see, when they pick random people out of right, the audience, right. it's it's all it's They're all illusion. No, yeah. but 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 Coach Dave Dobmeyer made Breitbart news. 
and uh, we congratulate him on that for his efforts, for his exposing this travesty, this moral sewage pit that is Target. And I can tell everyone this right up front. And, and you know what? It maybe it doesn't make any difference, but I will not spend one dime in Target. I would not give them my business, and I would urge everyone not to give them your business for, for adhering to this. this uh, yeah, well, this this ridiculous uh, policy that 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 really, folks, this is not about civil equality. This is not about civil rights. This is about perversion. This is about perverting the word of God. This is about perverting our laws. This is about allowing pedophiles, allowing the, the one tenth of one percent who who question their sexuality. Uh, the Harris Woffords, the 90-year-old Harris Woffords of the world. That's right. You didn't hear about Harris Wofford suddenly finding a boyfriend at age 90? Who's Harris Wofford? Oh, some rum dumb from Pennsylvania here. Used to be her, a senator. Uh, I mean, my goodness. Uh, you know, a good friend of Clinton. and, and uh, But anyway, 90 years old, found love on, on the beach. With with a guy after being married seventy uh, or yeah, fifty years, it's to just woman? ridiculous. Was to a married? woman, yeah, to that's a woman. sad. Yeah, so you know, uh, it, it, but uh, what I'm saying to you is this: this is not about civil rights. What we're watching, this is about the the ripping down, the rending of our moral fabric of this country. And if people don't understand what's taking place, then get your head out of your butt and, and start paying attention. Because I'll tell you, what's at stake here is the future of our country. And if you think that this is just a small matter, you're wrong. This is a huge matter. This is all about perversion. This is all about uh, acquiescence to a class of people that uh, that really make up such a small percentage. It's not even significant. This is about behavior. This is not about genetics. Homosexuality is a perversion that's based in behavior. It has nothing to do with your DNA. It's been scientifically proven, and I'm sorry if, if the truth hurts people. But that's the truth, and it's an abomination before God. So I'm telling you right now, Target and every other store that caters to this kind of be perverse behavior can uh, can can suffer without my dollar. And I know that's not going to hurt them. But if a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million people feel the same way I do, maybe we can make a difference. So Christians stand up and make a difference. And you know what the sad thing is, uh, where we're unable to make a difference is in the the schools. The federal government threatens to withhold the the federal funding. They don't need schools. the schools don't need right. federal funding. You're right. All right, I don't want to get off on this. We have a great show planned for you, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to turn it over to John. And John, I'm going to have you uh, bring our guests on. We have Sergeant Tim this hour, and we have Pastor Billy Crone, the uh, Las Vegas favorite pastor. So you, yeah, John, go ahead and uh, take your interest, please. Well, Doug and Joe, thank you so much for uh, for inviting us all around the Hagman kitchen table yet again this evening. And I just want to say at the outset of this to our brother in arms and our brother in the arms of Christ's love, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, I tip my hat to you, sir. Uh, Target will not see another dollar of my money either. And Coach may have been escorted out of Target yesterday, but he was escorted right onto the homepage of Breitbart.com. And I just want to, again, give a tip of the hat to the folks over at Breitbart who uh, showed some courage today as well in honoring Coach's courage. And uh, tonight, I, we, I was just so blessed, Doug and Joe, to really just serve as a gatherer 
uh, this evening. Uh, this show is not about Hollywood, and it's certainly not about me. This show is entitled, Where is the Church? Are the Epistles Lost in the Mail? And this show, I want to mention quickly, uh, was inspired by a conversation I had with Pastor Flip Benham about four weeks ago, where he was uh, encouraging my efforts and, and those of us here in Southern California who work so tirelessly in this fight. But he was also admonishing us and reminding us, Doug and Joe and Sergeant Tim, that Christ will build his church. We are to gather. We are to be servants of our Lord, to trust Him, and to trust that though we may make our plans, He will in fact order our steps. And that conversation hit me with such uh, poignancy, and it, it was such a direct bullseye hit on my heart, I did something I rarely do, and Doug, that was, uh, you know, I called you and we had that conversation on a Saturday morning, uh, afternoon, on your side of the country, and uh, Doug, you may recall that once I sort of summarized what Flip had shared with me, you stated, and this is almost a direct quote, John, I think this topic, I, I can't think of a topic more relevant to cover at this time. And so it was my privilege to make contact with Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor David Langford, Pastor Flip Benham, and Coach Dave, and just basically say, listen, fellas, we've got a big fight on our hands. We've got a lot of confusion with the Hagman listeners about the state of the American church today and also how do the Christian Internet radio shows, specifically the Hagman Report, serve the remnant body, nourish the remnant body, but also where do deficiencies lie uh, with replacing the church, replacing the church fellowship with these Internet radio shows, because, of course, there are direct instructions from Acts chapter 2 that we are to follow. And that being said, I just wanted to introduce to the Hagman listeners, it's his first time joining us on the Hagman Report, uh, a good friend of mine, a, a brother-in-arms, uh, Sergeant Tim. Uh, Tim, just quickly, folks, is a 19-year uh, member of one of our four armed services. He gets up and puts on the uniform every day, and he leads young men daily uh, who look to him for wisdom and for instruction in a time where, frankly, it's getting more and more difficult in our armed forces to demonstrate proper leadership. Uh, incidentally, Doug, I know you saw Sergeant Tim's resume about a month ago when I forwarded it to you, and folks, suffice it to say, <laughs> Sergeant Tim does have a last name, and we will be sharing that with you later this year uh, when we will bring to the Hagman Report some, some explosive uh, information uh, that Tim is willing to share with us uh, once he has uh, concluded his commitment to his branch of service. And that being said, lastly, Sergeant Tim is the editor of Outlaw Patriot News. Uh, he has been aggregating news from all over the world and, and really pushing it through, as Doug often says, that third lens of Scripture and giving Christians a place to go uh, in addition to or perhaps in lieu of the Drudge Report to look at uh, uh, hard links that specifically speak to the remnant body about the challenges facing us today. And that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and pipe down here. Sergeant Tim, it is a great pleasure and a great honor to introduce you to my friends Doug and Joe Hagman. And gentlemen, I'll let you run from here. Well, well thank you so much, John, and, and thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, and I also want to thank Doug and Joe both uh, for having me on tonight. Uh, I met both of you at the Hear the Watchman Conference at Dallas uh, just briefly, but uh, 
it was it was so great to meet both of you in person. I also had the opportunity to meet some of the other speakers that are on this evening. Very strong, great men of God. Um, I wanted to come on tonight. Um, you know, John talked to me about the opportunity to come on tonight and talk to the Hagman audience. And I also want to thank the Hagman audience for having me on, having me in your homes. Um, I'm very excited to be on. Uh, and I want to talk to you, uh, first of all, about uh, my website, Outlaw Patriot News. Uh, I know that some of you are probably thinking, well, Outlaw is kind of a, a strange name for uh, a news site that has anything to do with Christ. Uh, but I just wanted to point out to you, you know, I have a very good friend, uh, brother in Christ, named David Pruitt, uh, lives out of Virginia. And he reminded me not so long ago that in a, in a nation, in a world now where we're seeing so much, uh, of the world, of the, of the laws of God being, uh, being cast away and, and forgotten, that we really have become Outlaws, those of us that are the followers of Christ. When when you go against the laws of the adversary, you become an outlaw. Um, I started doing it back in 2013. Uh, like John was saying, I, I started with just simple news aggregation, uh, doing some of the same stuff that some of the other sites like the Drudge Report and others are doing out there. And what I saw was there's so so much news out there, especially the mainstream media news, that is slanted this way or that way, and you really have to pick your own flavor of rhetoric that you want, but it's really not news. A lot of it has turned into entertainment or over-exaggeration, and I'll, I'll admit, back in 2013, whenever I started doing this, I had not found the Lord yet. Uh, I had uh, woke up, so to say. Uh, but I had not found the Lord, and I saw where I could use the analytical skills as well as the experience that I've gained being in the military and literally traveling all over the world, talking to people from every corner of the world, and kind of given a, a more unique insight into what is going on both geopolitically as well as nationally, and even in some cases locally. Uh, and it was at around that time, uh, you know, I felt this huge urge to start doing that. Uh, I started doing it mainly uh, on some social media platforms. And I had, um, due to some issues that I was having personally, um, I'd been diagnosed with depression. Uh, I was put on SSRI drugs. Uh, I really, I've come to the, the belief that it wasn't ever really depression. Uh, I was suffering from a lot of anger. And I think a lot of that anger was, number one, because I had lost my connection with God. And number two, because uh, I really was failing as, as a father and as a husband and really as a man. And so... I had been on the SSRI medications for about two years whenever I started doing Outlaw Patriot News. And uh, I was so sick of being on it. Uh, if, if you've ever been on it or if you've never been on it, one of the things that I would describe to you about it is after a time period, you become like a zombie. You have absolutely no emotions. Um, 
the the emotions that you do show are reactions based on okay, this is good news, so I should be happy. This is sad news, so I should be sad. And they're not genuine emotions. And I'd reached a point where I wanted to feel something. And so I went to the doctors and I told them, hey, look, I I really need off this medication. I, I can't take it anymore. And they tried stepping me off of it. I tried going cold turkey a couple of times on my own. And, uh, again, if you've ever been on it and you've ever experienced the withdrawals from those drugs, uh, it's horrible. It's one of the most horrible things that I've ever felt. And uh, Tim, this Joe yeah. here, if I may real quick, you, you just made a statement saying, you know, you were numb due to the uh, the SSRIs you were taking for depression. And, you know, isn't that the point of these medications is the emotional numbness? It's not healing your depression. It's not only... Uh, suppressing the depression, it is numbing your whole, uh, your whole mentality, your whole psyche, your whole consciousness. Exactly. And that's, that's one of the things that I said to the doctor. I was like, yeah, it's, it's working great. I'm not depressed. I'm not angry, but I'm also not happy. I'm just there. I'm not living anymore, you know? Uh, so yeah, you're exactly right, Joe. Um, but as I as I decided to to take the steps to come off of it, uh, you know, it's been a long time since since I sat down and I prayed, and I was I'd reached a point where I just felt kind of hopeless. And I sat down one night. I was getting ready to go to bed, and I prayed for the first time probably in about twenty years. And you know, I just asked the Lord. I said, "Please give me the strength to get through this. Uh, I know I can't do it on my own." And, you know, at the time, I, I really kind of even questioned the existence of God. And I said, you know, if you're out there, if you're listening, if you can help me, I will be yours. And I will tell you the, the effects of the withdrawals. I, I won't say that they completely went away, but they were no longer more than what I could take. Um, it really opened me up. I started praying more and more. Uh, I started praying for discernment and wisdom. And then I had the urge to, uh, you know, I really think that the, the Lord put it on my heart to not just do news aggregation and, and show the corruption and show what's going on ge- geopolitically, but to start reaching out to other people and trying to bring more and more people to the Lord. Because I really think that so much of what is going on in this country um, you know, specifically this country, the world in general, is because we've lost that connection to God. Um, I think, I think a lot of that, um, you know, it, it really struck me, uh, Doug, as you were talking about, uh, Coach Dave, and I, I love Coach Dave to death, but, uh, it really struck me what you were saying because it really comes back to something that the Lord put on my heart to, to talk about here tonight, and that's obedience. Um, he showed obedience by going out and and challenging the people at Target about their policies and challenging those laws. And the fact is, we've come to a point in this country where, and, and this is going to sound kind of... Uh, 
kind of harsh and it may make some people angry, may offend some people, but we've come to the point in this country where we can no longer sit on our hands and pray and just hope that things will get better. We need, especially men like Coach Dave, but but all men, all women, we need to be out there taking action. Because the point is, we're, we're losing the next generation. With each new generation, less and less of our children are having faith in the Lord and, and going out and becoming Christians, converting fully. And the point is, it's because they're not seeing us take action. We have to not just be obedient in prayer and be obedient in our family lives in private. We have to be obedient to the laws of God each and every day in public. And we can't do that by, by sitting around with our, our heads buried like a bunch of ostriches. Oh. Amen. Tim, let me uh, John, right John here. If I, if I could interject quickly, Tim, just for, for expediency's sake. And, brother, you, you're on it. I, I wish we could, could blow this hour out even longer. But uh, if I could ask you a favor, Tim, uh, tell the Hagman listeners the titles of some of the articles that you've written lately that, that really address this question of where is the American church today. And if you would, uh, brother, lay some of those, those titles on us and, and remind folks where they can go. Uh, to read the articles. I believe one or two of them were, were linked off paulmaguire.us, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, so after the conference, I wrote uh, uh, kind of a review of the conference, uh, Here the Watchmen Weathering the Storm. Uh, I also wrote a piece called Where Are the Patriarchs that uh, kind of covers the, the destruction of the American family um, that I think probably preceded the destruction of the church. Um, I wrote a piece called America's Crisis in the Church, and I think uh, I think that some of the, the speakers tonight that I'm looking forward to, to hearing from uh, have read that piece, uh, where I address some of the things that are going wrong in the church. What is the church, according to, uh, especially according to Hebrews? Um, and then, uh, more recently, I wrote an article trying to call on men, you know, I, I, and I, I hate to say this, I know a lot of the, the women out there are out doing great things for the Lord as well. We need to get men on board as well. Um, and I wrote a piece called What Makes a Man, um, kind of addressing that, uh, using scripture to point out the attributes that we need to cultivate in our, especially the next generation, the young men, in order to bring about uh, a, a counter to the emasculation of our male population that has gone on here in this country. And I know that I know that I'm probably going over. Uh, I, I thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to, to speak tonight, and uh, God bless each and every one of you. Tim, thank you uh, for sharing what you did. And we do have Pastor Billy Crone with us. John, uh, you're still with us. Um, but, uh, Tim, give us your website again. Uh, the website is Outlaw Patriot News. That's all one word, outlawpatriotnews.wordpress.com. Awesome. Awesome. John, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And, and uh, again, you know, Doug and Joe, it's just so 
so awesome that that you open up the uh, the platform for for people like myself and and for brothers like Sergeant Tim to come on board and and just encourage the rest of the listeners that folks like Doug always has said for many years now we each have a position to play and I just wanted Tim to come on and Tim thank you for taking time away from from Samantha and from the kids tonight to uh, share with the Hagman family what you're up to. Because again, you know, you said you've been doing this since 2013, and and that's a couple of years now of honest service to the kingdom. And uh, your articles are fantastic, and I've read them, and I know that I've forwarded them to Doug and Joe and, and any number of the folks that check in with the Hagman. So God bless you, brother, and thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, keep writing, keep up the good work, and stay strong. Thanks so much, John. Thank you, sir. Good night, buddy. Thank you. Joe, would you like to go ahead and bring our brother, Pastor Pastor Billy Cronin? Yeah, we have with us Las Vegas' favorite pastor, Pastor Billy Crone. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting him not only in Orlando, Florida, Prophecy in the News Conference 2015, but also in Dallas at here the Watchman Conference just a month ago. Pastor Crone, it's great to have you back on the program. Hey, it's great to be on, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are uh, always fun to have on. You've got a great sense of humor, and you are, are very, very uh, in tune with the Word. And uh, we're going to get into some issues tonight, dealing with the church and, and God's Word, and what our calling is uh, in all of this, and uh, where we're falling short, and uh, where we, we are doing okay. Um, again, John, I'm going to turn this over to you. Well, Joe, thank you. And Pastor Billy, thank you for joining us this evening and for taking time out of your schedule uh, here this evening. And uh, Pastor Billy, you know, as I said in the introduction, I, I really just wanted to gather uh, great minds and great hearts that serve our Lord Jesus Christ together here this evening. So um, in so doing, I forwarded some questions to uh, Joe, and I have some as well from some of our friends around the country. And um, Pastor Billy, I thought we'd just start off. I've got a question here from a, a Hagman listener in Virginia whose name is Tim. Now, he says he's been spending his weekends the last several weekends in your Final Countdown series, and he just he's loving it. He, he said, please tell Pastor Billy how much uh, Final Countdown series is making a difference to me and my family. And Pastor Billy, Tim had the following question for you, sir. He's, his question reads, how do Christians today make wise judgments and stand strong when there is so much deception all around us in the church? Everyone seems to have strong opinions on who to vote for in November, but with all the deception, how do we get to the truth and how do we make wise decisions? And again, that's from Tim in Virginia. Yeah, actually, it's a great question. Frankly, uh, not to sound over-spiritual, but uh, uh, frankly, it's the Bible. Uh, the Bible is our source of truth. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know that as, as uh, Christians, and certainly Protestants, we have the sola scriptura the, by uh, faith alone and, and by uh, scripture alone. That's our final rule for faith and practice. So how do you know you're being lied to? It's, it's the Bible. And that's the importance of being in the Bible. Uh, the listener is very correct in that uh, you not only have to be careful of the deceit in the world, uh, unfortunately you're going to get, uh, and you're getting, unfortunately, a lot of deceit in the church. Uh, but again, the quick answer is the antidote to that is 
did you know it's not illegal uh, for you as an individual Christian to pick up the Bible yourself? <laughs> you know, uh, nobody's stopping you. You don't have to just rely upon going to a Sunday service or a Wednesday service or whatever. Did you know you actually have the freedom to pick it up any time? Hey, get this. Did you know you could pick it up several times in one day? I mean, what a concept. It's amazing. And, of course, I'm being uh, uh, facetious to make a point and sarcastic, too. But, folks, we got to realize that, listen, we are being lied to in the world, and unfortunately we're being lied to in many churches. Uh, but it's okay. God hasn't left us hanging high and dry. He's given us the, the Bible. In fact, we have so many tools, this generation of Christians, we have so many tools at our fingertips to, to know the Bible. We should be the most literate, not illiterate, we should be the most literate Christians in the history of the church. We have so many tools, so many commentaries, so many lexicons, so many, so many things at our fingertips and concordances that we should be the best students. But what happens is we're not in it every day. If you get acquainted with the truth, you cannot be lied to. The Bible is the only book on the planet that distinguishes between that which is true and that which is a lie. We have been brainwashed by this world system, this wicked world system, and the Bible is the only book on the planet that unbrainwashes us. Again, what's unfortunate is we have become conditioned that the only time that we can receive, if you will, another unbrainwashing procedure is just when we go to church services. That's not true. I hope, and I teach from the pulpit here at, at uh, our church here in Vegas at Sunrise. Uh, listen, I, I, thank you for coming Sunday. Thank you for coming Wednesday night. I'm going to teach another study tonight. Um, thank you for coming. But did you know, <laughs> I, I hope, you know, pastors can dream, uh, that you're in the Bible yourself every single day. Get in there, dig into it, and you'll be okay. Now, he mentioned the final countdown study, and he mentioned about the deception, not just in the world, but the church. Well, believe it or not, <clears throat> the, the final countdown study is an 80-part study we did on Bible prophecy. How do you know you're living the last days? And uh, obviously biblically based, and but the Bible says they're one of the biggest signs that you know you're living in the last days is when this is going to happen to the church. It's called the apostasy. You know, Paul talked about that. He said in the last days, there's going to be people who abandon the faith, and they're not just going to abandon the faith. They're going to literally turn and follow deceiving spirits, even things that are taught by demons. And this is why uh, we are in a mess today. Uh, the church is going yeah. down the tubes. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people think that the church is going to get better and better and better. No, it's not. Read the scripture. One of the biggest signs in the last days is what is happening to the church. Uh, you, you look at the average. You talk about deceit, not just in the world, but deceit from the pulpit. Uh, uh, listen to this. It, this. These are stats from professing. I'll use that word, professing Christians. Listen to what they believe as far as what is true. 53% says the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. That's half of the professing Christians in the United States. How in the world could you say that? 12% of people who claim to be Christians, they don't even know what's going to happen to them after they die. <laughs> what kind of a faith is that? 25%, one out of every four <clears throat> of people you sit next to in a church service in America today, one out of four say, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what faith you follow, because all faith groups teach the same lessons. Excuse me? 30% say that Jesus died but never had a physical resurrection. Another 30% basically says when he lived on earth, Jesus committed sins like the rest of us. Okay, and then another 30% said there are some crime sins and other things which people might do which cannot be forgiven by God. And then 65% say Satan is not a literal being but a, just a symbol of evil. And then 31% of the church says that a good person can earn his way into heaven. What in the world is going on? I mean, that's just basic Christianity, and they're, not, they're completely wrong. Well, it's because we're living in the last days, and the church is going down the tubes. They're abandoning the faith. Even the core truths, the basic truths of biblical Christianity, uh, people are falling away from. And so you know, people say, well, how did this happen? Well, uh, I've, I've watched it happen literally over 20 years now. 
in ministry in the church. And what happened was in the early 90s, there, there was this movement called the church growth movement. That sounds good. Sounds Christian. Church growth. We want to grow. But the problem was <clears throat> they were taking secular business techniques and a secular mindset and applying to the church. And the scripture says the main priority of a pastor in a church is not numerical growth. It's spiritual growth. To make disciples, disciples, Jesus said, get out there in all the world, Matthew 28, and make disciples. It's, it's a methetes in the Greek, where we get mathematics. It means disciplined learner. Get out there and make not believers, okay, not somebody who can sit in your pew, not another person you can notch on your belt for a number, okay, not somebody else to help pay for your mortgage in this big giant facility you got now that you're in debt and hawk, okay, but get out there and make disciples. Now that means you need to focus then as a pastor, as a shepherd, on equipping, teaching the flock. The, the truth, all the truth, by the way, not just some of it. But see, that's the other problem that's going on in the church. Paul also said there's another problem that's going to happen in the last days, right? Uh, people are going to turn away from the truth. But hey, you know, you got to still keep this uh, church-looking thing going, right? Right. So what do you do? Well, uh, they, they exchange the truth uh, for a lie. And he says in, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, the first one I quote was 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, he said, here's what they're going to do. First of all, the church is going to gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they're going to turn away from the truth, their ears from the truth, and turn aside the myths. Now, the first time I remember busting into this in the Greek, it blew me away. I'm going, man, is this relevant or what? But it says there, uh, tickle your ears, itching ears. It's kinetho in the Greek, and it means only pleasant things. And turn aside to the to myths, muthos, it means stories made up. So how do you know you're living the last days? Paul says people are not only going to turn aside from the truth, okay, and, and follow deceiving uh, things, uh, even from demons, okay, but they're, they're, when all you get from the pulpit is basically pleasant things and stories made up, I just described basically much of the church, okay, and, and I think there's a movement going on, and it's been going on for a while, and we get phone calls, emails all the time, literally every week, I kid you not, and it's the same old story, Pastor Bill, we can't find a healthy church, Pastor Bill, we, we appreciate the final countdown study, or this study, or whatever, and God gets the glory for all that stuff. But they said, we can't find a healthy church. And I said, well, number one, chalk it up. We're living the last days. It's not going to come easy anymore. Long gone are the days where you can sit there and say, hey, you know, uh, I don't like this church, and uh, they don't have potlucks like I like, and so you know, I, I need to go to the left here five minutes down the road, and I'll find another one. Those days are gone, folks, okay, because we're living in the apostasy, and you're getting all kinds of baloney from the pulpit. And frankly, dare I say, unfortunately, sometimes you're being deceived from the pulpit. Okay? And, and so, number one, chalk it up. We're in the last days. It's not going to come easy. But we, here's what I tell people. Giving up, giving up and disassociating yourself with the church is not an option. You show me the verse. Okay? You, you need to, number one, drive. Be prepared to drive. Okay? Or move. Right? And people, well, I, I, I think I found this church, you know, but it's 45 minutes away, and I, I don't know if I can... Excuse me? Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He walked the road to Calgary, being bruised and beaten and murdered on our behalf, and you can't drive 45 minutes? You, you found a healthy place to go, and you... Excuse me? I got a problem with that. Okay? Uh, and we need to be a part of the problem, not the solution in the church. Number two, you might need, you might need to move. Because there are still churches out there that are still preaching the truth. Granted, it's not it's not like it used to be. It's getting further and farther in between. Okay, but they're still out there. Well, I can't move. I'd have to change jobs. Well, so what? Which comes first? Who's your master? Who's your Lord? Do you love money more than God? Uh, choose your God. Which Do you love the things of this world more than... What is more important to you? Your spiritual well-being, your spiritual growth, okay, or, 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 or your convenience, okay? And, and so... You know, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but I'm just kind of blown with people because I think what's happened is we have been conditioned to spiritualize laziness, okay? And we act like we're being spiritual when we disassociate from the church. Excuse me, show me the verse. 
The scripture says, it, 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 let me just read from you, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Now listen to how many times he says us, in just a couple verses, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's... It, uh, us, it's plural, over and over again. I, I use this phrase to, to folks, you know, like, well, Pastor Billy, I've been, I can't find a healthy church, and I haven't been to a church service in 903,000 years or something. You know, it's like, what? oh, and, and I'm supposed to applaud you and, and congratulate you? What are you talking about? Let us, us. The word church is ecclesia, and it means a group of called out ones. It's plural. Okay, we are the body of Christ. The church is not a building, it's us, the people of God. Okay, and we are called to be together. When we get saved, God gives us gifts. Okay, and we know this. God gives us gifts. What good is your gift that, and or gifts that God gives you if you're just staring at the wall, right? Okay, the gifts are meant to be used in the context of us. It's a plural term, church, right? We need to be around other believers, and that's what the Hebrew says, especially as you see the day approaching. I don't know if you noticed, but man, the world's going down the tubes. We're living the last days. We need each other. Now, again, granted, to be in all seriousness, I understand. I understand it's not easy. I understand it's hard. But, but we have to stop uh, rationalizing our either laziness. You need to drive. I'm sorry. To drive. I used to drive an hour and a half one way to a church service when I was going to Bible college. Not to boast, but this is just the facts. Well, hour and a half one way because that pastor preached the truth. Uh, pastor Tim, I'll never forget him. And, man, he, he cut it straight, man, black and white, and this is it. And it was that's what you need to hear. That's what kept you from getting lazy. That's what kept you from going back in this wicked world system. It kept you, and it was worth an hour and a half of drive. Okay, we need to get rid of our laziness. And the other thing, too, is, again, we need each other. I mean, we know we're in the last days. We know it's hard. We have got to work together as Christians. And, and, and I know it's, it's not uh, easy, but again, I, I use the phrase this. I call them Lone Ranger Christians. Lone Ranger Christians, right? You know, you say, I'm out here all alone. I'm so spiritual. <laughs> Excuse me? You demonstrate your spirituality by driving or moving. Okay, and they say, well, I, I don't have any options. Or I can't drive. Well, how about this one? Then maybe start a church. What? Hey, did you know it's not illegal to do that? Did you know that's how churches were started? In the Bible? Read the Bible, right? It's not illegal. And, and what, one thing that we're doing here in Vegas, you know, a lot of people, they'll come, we get visitors from all over the place and stuff, and they'll say, oh, Pastor Bill, this is amazing. I wish we had a church like this in our area. And so, well, why don't you start one? And, well, I, I, I've never been to seminary. Who says? Why don't you start one? And, and, and a lot of things that we've geared a lot of our, our ministry is to help this to take place. Because we don't want to just say, hey, here's the problem. We're in the apostasy. Right, because we know that the church is messed up, just along with the world by and large. Okay, and I don't want to just sit here and say, "Hey, stop being you know a lazy uh, goober and get out of uh, you know the Church of Saint Mattress mattress with Pastor I.B. snooze into the bedside chief's assembly." Right, get out of bed, you know, and go find a place. Right, and I don't want to just do that. But sometimes there are legitimate times when you know you just don't really have options. Well, we've geared our media. By the way, at our website, getlifemedia.com, every single teaching. And it's updated every week. Every single teaching is you can only get for free, okay? But you could actually download the DVD quality file for free, okay? Everything is made available. We don't copyright our media, so make a billion copies. We don't care, even if you do get the DVDs, okay? But a lot of our studies are geared towards just that. We have people that do Bible studies with our media uh, and... Uh, 
home Bible studies. Uh, some churches where maybe the church isn't really that strong, but they need some help. Uh, they use our curriculum, and our curriculum is designed for that. We we have our, our Wednesday night studies. Uh, our, our basically, we started four years ago. We started with Discipleship 101, Discipleship 102. Basically, at the very beginning, I just got saved. Now what? And then we move forward. What is salvation? Uh, can we know if we're really saved or not? Uh, what is this prayer thing? And, and we went all the way up, and then we continued to get to meteor topics. And what about the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ? What about spiritual warfare? What about the last days? How does that all work together? And then we moved on from there after a couple of years into intro to apologetics, the defenders of our faith, how to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. And now we're into even meteor stuff, and I'm currently teaching on a study called World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Uh, and this is on top of what we've been dealing with on Sunday mornings. But the Wednesday night studies, they're all designed with workbooks. We, You can even go to our website and download the workbook for free. Watch the videos, fill in the blanks. We're trying to, if you will, fill in the gap. Okay, to to we understand there's a spiritual need out there. We understand. We get phone calls again. Christians are hungry. They're starving to death. They don't get the word anymore. A lot of them in a lot of places. So we're trying to do our part to not only be responsible here in Vegas, but to take our experience, put it onto the media, and take the restraints off. You want it? Take it for free. We don't care. Cop, make a billion copies. Who cares? And and get out there and get equipped, get discipled, and get busy sharing. And again, maybe. You, there's, we, we, this was a cool story. Uh, not too long ago, we had some folks um, contact us from Northern California, and they'd just come out of a church, gone apostate and, and blowing. They said, what do we do? And, and they said, well, we were praying. We thought, well, maybe we'll just start with some of your videos and stuff. And so they, they basically started a home Bible church, and so we load them up, and here you go. And, and it's just, it, it, this, this is happening more often uh, than not. Now, with all that said, okay, that I, I'm trying to, hopefully it's coming across this way, I'm trying to Get you to understand it's not easy. Get this mindset as a Christian out of your head that it's easy, or that even getting some spiritual food today is uh, is going to come easy. Okay. Although, again, by the way, you can pick it up anytime you want. Okay, the Bible and read it yourself. Okay, but by and large, um, there is an alternative. Sitting at home again, going to the Church of Saint Mattress with Pastor I.B. Snoozen of the Bedside Sheets Assembly is not an option. Do not spiritualize your laziness. I'm sorry, your laziness. And and listen, you're not helping the church. You're hurting the church because God saves every born again Christian and gives them gifts. How is the church able to benefit from your gift if you're sitting at home staring at the wall? I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, did you know other Christians could also, with their gifts, be a benefit to you? That's what the church is designed to do. Now, again, if you might have to get creative. You might have to drive. Okay, you might have to move. You might have to uh, start your uh, a home Bible study, which might turn into maybe a God will raise up into a church. That happens all the time. Okay, but there is an option. Sitting around just poking fingers, we all know it's messed up. Folks, we got to be a part of the solution, not just point out the problems. And, and we're just trying to do our best here in Las Vegas. You know, a lot of people say, you know, how did it happen? It's, listen, do you know what we're doing here in Vegas? Right? A lot of people, oh, this is amazing. I wish I had this. Listen, oh, I say it all the time. All we're doing is basic Christianity. This, uh, we, we haven't, like, reinv- we haven't invented something new. We're not, we haven't found this new secret church growth method. And <laughs> all we're doing is getting back to the Bible. Right, being a church family, we're not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect church. You find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll mess it up, and so will I. Ha ha ha. Okay, but but we're just getting back. We're just preaching the Bible. We're we're learning to love God and love each other, and we're getting busy sharing the gospel and loving the lost, and 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 we're having a great time. 
right? It, it, and folks, it, listen, it doesn't have to be just a unique few. Every one of us could have it if we just get rid of this laziness and realize the days we live in, we're in the last days, it's not going to come easy, but there's hope. There's hope. You don't have to be disgruntled. You don't have to be discouraged. And by the way, even if it takes a while to, for a scenario to present itself, again, retreat is not an option, right? Don't go AWOL on us, okay? It's hard enough out here. The, I, I know a lot of great godly Christians, okay, and, the, and again, they try to spiritualize their, them being a Lone Ranger Christian, right? We need you. You just made it hard for the rest of us. Please come back to the front lines. Will you help us? Okay, and uh, but but don't spiritualize it. And you got to get to the point, guys, that we're do not let somebody else's behavior, even the church behavior, dictate your walk or service to Jesus Christ. The moment you get your focus on man, the moment you get your focus on the church, you're doomed because man will let you down. I'll let you down. The church will let you down, but Jesus Christ never will. Don't ever get your eyes off of him. You cannot let somebody else dictate your walk of service to Jesus Christ, because in the end, we stand before him, right? It's not going to be, hey, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, the reason why I really didn't do much for you this side of heaven, and I thank you for saving me, is because I, I was, I, I, all I had was uh, apostate churches around me. Do you think that's going to fly with him? You know, Jesus, the reason that's why right. I really didn't amount, amount to much is because, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, just didn't have many options, and, and I was, excuse me? It, none of that's going to fly. We're all going to stand before Jesus Christ, myself included, individually, right? And we got to say, you know, Jesus, I know I didn't do it right, I mean perfectly, right? But I gave it my best. I didn't quit, and it was hard. And, and it was not only hard with the world, but it was hard with what I call church world. But you know what, Jesus? I kept going forward. Retreat was not an option, right? I know I stumbled and bumbled. It took a while, right? But we never quit. We never quit serving you. We never quit opening up the Bible ourselves. We never quit trying to look for a healthy place or, or create that healthy place in Christ. Right? We never quit sharing your gospel. And folks, I'm telling you, this could be the greatest spiritual harvest in the church. Because again, this is just basic Christianity. That's all it is. Yeah. Read the Bible, the book of Acts. When the church took off, what it was, they didn't have all these stuff. They didn't have all these buildings. They didn't have all these programs. They had none of that stuff. They just loved Jesus. They loved each other. They broke bread in homes. It was awesome. It was exciting. People were getting saved right and left. Folks, that could be us. It doesn't have to be a bad time. This could be, as ironic as this sounds, the greatest spiritual harvest in the church if we just get our eyes off the apostasy, acknowledge it, it's happening, but get our eyes back on Christ and don't let anything dictate your walk of service to Jesus. Amen, Pastor. And... Um you know, we talk often about the apostasy, and we seem surprised by it, yet we're told it's going to happen. And not only are we told it's going to happen, especially in the world, but the apostasy is specific to the church. And what you said, I mean, it's not enough that we, you know, do the bare minimum, that we just, uh, you know, rebuke evil and, and try not to, to do bad. We must uh, put into practice doing uh, good works through prayer, uh, through helping, you know, the, the less fortunate, um, and also carry the joy around that is, uh, in our eternal spirit through the sacrifice that Jesus made. So often today, so many people are beat down and, and tired and, um, you know, they just, they, they, they feel it. And, uh, what they, what they do is, is use that to justify, well, you know, all I have to do is, is resist Satan and, and resist sin. And, and I'll be okay. But you're missing a whole other side to that. The, the whole, you know, 
benefits and gifts and blessings uh, from, you know, being joyful and not letting anybody take that, as I'm paraphrasing Scripture. Uh, as I said, it's not enough just to refuse to do evil and, and to not sin. We have to continue our voyage with happiness, with joy, and we have to do so at all costs. Yeah, you know, and I, I say, too, again, if you're going to point out the problems, and we need to, we need to call a spade a spade, but at the same time, would you please be a part of the solution? Because you're not helping anything if you just point out the problems. Be a part of the solution. Be that spiritual Christian you say you are, and lead lead the way back. Show Show the world how the church is supposed to be, which includes other Christians, right? Being Getting along with other Christians and, and, and loving one another. And again, not around error, not around falsehood, but loving one another. And, and, and granted, it might just be the home Bible study or something, but, but again, just do something, right? Because if you do nothing, nothing will happen. We've got to be a part of the solution. Frankly, I'm excited. And this might sound kind of weird. I'm excited about these days, right? And yes, the apostasy is all over the place, but this is one of the biggest signs we're in the last days. Just like the rise of earthquakes and famines and pestilence and wars and all that stuff. Hey, folks, what we're seeing in the church, this is, and translate for what it is. Jesus Christ is coming back. That's not bad news. That's awesome news. I'm looking forward to being a part of the Millennial Kingdom. I can't wait till he turns everything right. I can't wait till Satan is chucked into the pit and the false prophet and the Antichrist goes into the lake of fire and we get to rule and reign with Christ on this planet that gets rejuvenated into Garden of Eden like kids, uh, like Garden of Eden like conditions. I, I can't wait for that. All this means we don't know the day or the hour, but this it's getting close. So so let's finish strong. You know what Paul said at the end of his life? Did did oh by the way, Paul did did he have it easy? Right? No. He, he, he had to deal with uh, uh, people always uh, accusing him. He had to deal with falsehood. He had to deal with error. He had to deal with the Judaizers. He had to deal with people, uh, if you will, with apostate behavior and, and trying to undermine his work and sharing the gospel. Oh, and he had to deal with privations. It wasn't easy. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was persecuted. He was shipwrecked. On and on it goes. But what did he say? Listen. It ain't about me. It ain't about my comfort. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about fulfilling what he said us to do. Get out there and share the Great Commission. Get out there and share the gospel. There's something more important than us right now and our uh, church convenience. Okay, It's lost souls. They're doomed to hell. right? And, and again, this is why it's so important. You can't let somebody else's behavior, even the, quote, church apostate behavior, dictate your walk of service to Jesus Christ. Because... If, if anything, that, why should that stop you from telling people about Jesus? Why should that stop you from sharing the gospel? Right? Uh, we have to get out there and be a part of the solution. Uh, and and to, to, again, what Paul state, said, I finished the race. He finished it. He ran the course. Yep. Right? He kept the yep. faith. He, he fought the good fight. Right? Notice the words there, fight. Right? It's not going to come easy. And we have to develop that same mentality in these last days to make the most of these last days because again this could be the greatest time in the history of the church if we react to it correctly Amen Pastor Crone we're at the top of the hour break uh, if you want you can hold over um, or take off thank you so much for your contribution tonight you were uh, a half hour of power I'll tell you that uh, we'll be right back folks Stay with you. this is the Global Star 
Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, hour number two of this Hagman and Hagman report for this, the 27th day of April 2016. We're having a very special program here. This is a roundtable discussion. And of, of course, go to HagmanHagman.com and, and check out the uh, title name. Where's the church? Are the epistles lost in the mail? Uh, interesting title and an even more interesting topic. Folks, before, um, or as we're talking about this, I just want to just mention that uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, John Robertson, we've got uh, Pastor Flip Benham, and of course America's Pastor Pastor David Lang for joining us this hour in this roundtable discussion. Now we've I've sat back and listened to the last hour, and I've got to tell you it's it's inspiring. And what we're doing here, in my view, now I could be I, and I stand. To be stand corrected, that is, um, we are asking people to, to to. I mean, we're identifying a problem and we're presenting a solution, and that solution is stop being. Well, don't just be keyboard warriors. Get out there and um, actually uh, evangelize and, and to make a difference in your communities. I received an email, and I'm not sure which program this emailer was listening to. I received an email saying, "Well, gee whiz." Uh, sounds like uh, basically here we are praying for each other, supporting each other. How about just getting out there, meaning outside of the church's sanctuary, to evangelize and save some new souls that don't need to be told to get out of bed on Sunday mornings? Of course, this is exactly what what is taking place here, and, and this is exactly what we need to do. We need to make a stand, and I'm I will I'm going to turn this over here briefly, but I just want to say this. <clears throat> Excuse me, when I get emails like this, I do wonder, what show are you listening to, or are you listening to the show, or are you typing to someone else? Because here's the deal. We are telling, we are attempting to be part, uh, a part of a movement to change 
the the to right the wrongs, to change the things that are going on out there, to stand firm, to stand together, to get out of our comfort zones, and to change the way we, we the things are being done. This is what this is what we are called to do as Christians, as a Christian. Folks, just as an example, and I'm going to get back to the show here, but as an example, I cannot, as a Christian, allow in my community, for example, um, abortions to take place without me being there saying, this is wrong. Or I can't allow some perverted policy by a target, by a department store named Target to put my wife and my daughter in jeopardy by a perverse Policy that is nothing more than 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 a perversion of everything that we hold near and dear, rending the moral and spiritual fabric of our nation. So yes, we we absolutely positively want people to go out, and this is what this is part of the program. Before we get back to uh, uh, before we get to the guest this hour, I do want to mention that tonight's broadcast brought to you by Pro Flowers, folks. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is not to what a week. It's the next weekend, not this coming, but next weekend. And Mom has always been there for you. If if your mother is still alive, ladies and gentlemen, treasure her. I lost my mom at a young age. I miss her terribly. And and, I, and I'll say this: my mom used to tell me, you know, don't don't buy me, don't bring flowers to my grave. Buy me flowers when I can, when I'm here to enjoy them. And and I did to the best of my ability as a young man. I did that. But if you have your mom out there, what a treasure, what a blessing it is to you. Sometimes, oh, maybe, maybe you might think, oh my goodness. Sometimes, um, maybe not. But 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 you know what? At the end of the day, absolutely, because she's always been there for you, and she would she would do anything for you. I know that. Cooking, giving you advice on relationships. Uh, making your boo-boos better, if you will. Uh, it, whatever it is. Now, Mother's Day is a special day just for her. We, we have a great offer for you. Folks, you can get Mom 100 blooms, and these are beautiful flowers, 100 blooms of the free glass vase for nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Or you could make her day extra special. You could upgrade to a premium vase and add gourmet chocolates oh, for just $9.99 more. Here's, here's what you need to do. You need to go to proflowers.com today and use our code. This is super secret now. You ready for this? Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. It's real simple. Uh, by the way, Pro Flowers, they take all the guesswork out of sending mom, your grandma, or your wife. Don't forget about the mother of your children, the, the perfect Mother's Day gift. You can't beat the price. You can't beat the convenience. Pro Flowers takes care of all the details. They do the work. You get the glory. You choose a delivery date you want. It's guaranteed. It's a no-brainer, folks. I've had so, I've sent my wife flowers via Pro Flowers, and every time, every, every delivery, she's been just ecstatic. And I've upgraded to the chocolates, and oh, she loves those. Man, uh, in fact, I think, uh, I think I set a precedent here, so. But, uh, here's what we, what you need to do. Guys, pay attention to this. Here's the only way. The only way to get a hundred blooms with a free glass vase starting at nineteen ninety nine. This is how you do it. You ready? You, you call eight hundred Pro Flowers. 
or even better, you visit proflowers.com. That's proflowers.com. You click on the blue microphone in the top right corner and type in Hagman. That's proflowers.com. Click on the microphone, type in Hagman. Remember, Mother's Day is next week. You order today. This offer that I'm talking about right now, it expires Friday at midnight. So, folks, after the show tonight, do it. It's a simple, very, very convenient website. It'll walk you through everything, and all you do is just click a mouse. I mean, they can't make it any simpler for you. If I can do it, you can do it. Remember, Mom, remember the mother of your children, that special someone. Again, proflowers.com. Type in Hagman in the microphone box on the top right-hand corner. Make her day. Make her smile. Make that special someone in your life happy. Joe? Absolutely. All right, this hour we have two more outstanding pastors with us. We have Pastor uh, Lankford, voiceofevangelism.com, and Pastor Flip Benham. Uh, his website, uh, folks, Flip Benham's website, I don't have it right in front of me. I'll tell you, it's, uh, uh, or, while you're doing that, Pastor Langford, God bless you, my friend. Thank you, God bless Operation you, Doug. Center. It's a great joy to be with the two of you tonight, and also Pastor Flip Benham. I'll tell you something. This this hour, I'm I'm going to sit back and listen and be enriched by both you and Pastor Benham. Uh, this is going to be great. So, Joe, I'm going to turn it back to you, and if you want to turn it to John, because I don't want to get in the I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to get in the way. So. <laughs> yeah. Again, Operation Save America is Pastor Flip Benham's website. I'm going to have to send him some pro flowers for not. Uh, keeping that on the top of my mind and pastor david langford from the voice of evangelism uh voice of evangelism.com uh just two fantastic pastors who are on the uh, tip of the spear when it comes to uh keeping the word and keeping what the word says uh and sound doctrine in their preachings constantly uh when we talk about sound doctrine uh, these two pastors definitely are at the top of my list. John, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you um, bring us in. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And, uh, Doug, I'm I'm with you, sir. Uh, I'm going to take about 60 seconds here, and, and then I'm going to sit back and just and just let the Lord move and, and, and bless my spirit and nourish me tonight with Pastor Langford and, and Pastor Flip Benham. And, and, gentlemen, thank you so much to both of you for taking time out this evening to to join us and uh, all I want to add before we just jump right in is is folks Pastor Langford and Pastor Flip have agreed to address the following for each of us tonight because like Doug said last month when we were uh, talking on the phone this it, this topic is so relevant uh, Pastor Billy Crone said last hour there is no badge of honor for being a lone ranger Christian for being some spiritual uh, you know, singular man on the hill. It's just that's not where it's at. In fact, he implored us to join the fight. And I was really uh, convicted when he said that, because if you're not getting up and getting into church every Sunday, you may feel like you're a warrior covered in spiritual battle rattle, but if you're not there, you're not in the fight. And so to this evening, second hour here, Pastor David Langford, Pastor Flippin, they're going to talk about where the church is today, uh, is there a leadership vacuum from the pulpit? If so, what is it incumbent upon each of us, each of us as individual members of the remnant body of Christ, 
What is what are we to do about it? And they're also going to take a few moments in their own way to address how these Christian Internet radio shows like the Hagman Report, like Weekend Vigilante, like True News, uh, Caravan to Midnight, how are they nourishing the remnant body? But we want to keep it real honest here tonight. Where are their deficiencies? Because if all of us know who tune into the Hagmans, they leave a pint of blood and a pint of sweat on the mic. But it is a more or less one-way communication. And the church in discipleship and in mentoring and in accountability and in a plan of action requires reciprocity. It must be a two-way communication. So with that being said, again, Pastor Langford and, and Pastor Flip Denham, uh, just God bless you both, brother. I'm so honored to be on with you tonight, and I am going to sit back and hear the Word of God. Well, I'm going Pastor to Langford, let her rip. I'll follow you up. I, uh, I, I was going to prefer you first. Uh, <laughs> If you want me to go ahead, I'll be more than happy to to go ahead. Um, Okay, brother. Let me say, first of all, I want to thank uh, John and Joe and Doug and for the brethren tonight affording us this opportunity to minister the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says in Amos eight eleven, Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. The reason there's such a leadership vacuum in this nation is because this nation has become politically correct, and that spirit has permeated, it has pervaded the church. Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Uh, this nation is, is, is really a sham. It's a complete subterfuge with EBT cards, with public housing, and all of these safety nets. There would be shanty towns. There would be uh, uh, cardboard houses, people living uh, out of cardboard houses and things of that nature. But it's all camouflaged because the government is creating this uh, veneer, this facade that is not real. And regretfully, the church has lost its savor. The church has lost its light. Uh, Matthew 5 and 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Now, if you look up that phrase, have lost his savor, in the Greek, the Greek word is moros. We get our English word moron. When you lose your salt, when you lose your light, you become moronic. And that's the kind of leadership that we have in this nation, both politically and both spiritually. Um, As Coach Dave so well did the video at Target, they're wanting chaos. They're wanting contention. They're wanting strife. Uh, in, in not too many days, you're going to witness some brawls that are going to break out in these public stores because of this controversy. And the, the church has got to stand up. And what is so disgusting is the uh, anemic pastors that won't preach against anything or say anything for the sake of offending anyone. You know, John the Baptist was beheaded because he was not politically correct. He told Herod it was not lawful for him to have Philip, his brother's wife. 
He was an adulterer. And because he was an adulterer and, and John the Baptist told him he was an adulterer, it cost him his life. And so when you take a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. Um, and I know with, 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 with Brother Flip Benham, he wears it as a badge of honor that many times he's been arrested. It, 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 it's because he has stood for what is right and defended those who don't have a voice, who cannot speak, who cannot say. But yet there are so many today in the pulpits who are cowardice. I just read three weeks ago where in Greenville, South Carolina, a Baptist church is now going to ordain transgender pastors. I mean, it, it, it's not going to ever get any better, folks. If you're, if you're looking for things to change and get better, it's not. Because until the church stands up and starts preaching against sin, you know, the spinning heads on the news, they won't say uh, Obama told a lie. Uh, well, maybe he didn't quite say it the correct way or share it correctly. These people are bald-faced liars. But yet no one will challenge them because of political correctness. And Revelation 21.8 simply says, All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Isaiah 58.1 said, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people of their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. It's our responsibility to tell people fornication will take you to hell. Adultery will take you to hell. Drunkenness will take you to hell. Sodomy will take you to hell. You say, well, that's not popular preaching. I'm not here to be popular. I'm not running for an office. I'm not trying to make you like me. My job is to preach to you a pure, unadulterated word. The reason being, many years ago, God spoke to my heart and said, David, you're going to give an account for every sermon you ever preached. And that startled me when I heard that in my spirit. And it, it not only startled me, but it was a powerful impetus for me to never pollute, dilute, or become politically correct when I preach the Word of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.17, For we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God. Paul, that early on in the church, he said they're corrupting, they're polluting the Word of God unbelievably. Matthew 24, 5, many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. What does that mean? That simply means they use the power of Jesus' name to deceive you, to manipulate you, to coerce you. It's like every time one of these television preachers has a financial default, you know, it's an attack from the devil. But if you're having a financial struggle, you just don't have faith. You see, the, the hypocrisy begs description. But I believe God wants his men that are called, appointed, and anointed to stand and wave the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ without compromise. Compromise is the most deadly thing in this world. And Obama said several years ago, compromise was a good word. When you compromise, you gave up something in negotiations that you did not intend to give up. That's why with the Palestinians and the Israelis, negotiations are so difficult because they want the Golan Heights back. 
and they know if they get that back to the Palestinians, they can lob shells and mortars right over there and take out Jerusalem. But that's why Obama says we need to go back to the 67 borders. There's a reason for all of this, because there's coming a one-world government, there's coming a one-world order, there's coming a man called the Antichrist. And the church is cooking the books and not telling the people the truth and telling the people to get ready for the tempest and the storm that's coming. And my job and, and Pastor Benham's job is to warn the people I hear so many men use the phrase watchman. Ezekiel 3.17, Son of man, I have made thee therefore a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore hear the words at my mouth and give them warning from me. This all started at Mount Sinai when God came down, lightning, thundering. The voice of God was so thunderous. And they told Moses, we don't want to ever hear the voice of God again. Let God speak to you, and then you come tell us what thus saith the Lord. So from that point onward, you would always see that the, the prophets would speak to the king or to the nation, uh, Judah or Israel, and say, Thus saith the Lord. And they were speaking in behalf as an ambassador of Christ. Every preacher is an ambassador of Christ. It's his job to pray to fast, to meditate, to, 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 to stay in the Word of God, and then hear what God has to say, and then bring that to the pulpit. But the exact opposite is today. They're telling the people what they want to hear. They're tickling their ears. You know, if you want to be a, a sodomite, you can find you a homosexual church. You can find you a lesbian pastor, and only God knows what a lesbian pastor is. But you can find anything you want to fit your lifestyle. God does not tailor the crown and the robe to fit the man. God tailors the man to fit the robe and the crown. You're going to have to come in compliance with God's Word. And, and God's not going to change His Word for anybody. At the foot of the cross, the ground is absolutely level. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every one of us shall give account of himself to God, Romans fourteen eleven. And let me tell you, every day we make records. Every day of the lives we live, we make records. And God keeps records of everything we say, everything that we do, and at judgment, we're going to give an account for the way we lived or the way we didn't live or whatever. And I want to encourage you tonight to start fasting, to start praying. Uh, Matthew seventeen twenty one. Jesus said, This kind goeth not but by prayer and fasting. Some things will never happen till the church starts fasting. We can pray and pray and pray. The disciples said, Why couldn't we cast out this demon? He said, This kind... And that's what we're fighting now, principalities and powers of the air. He said, this kind goeth not but by prayer and fasting. When's the last time you heard a pastor preach a message on fasting? It's more about feasting, like Noah's day, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So we're in that era. You know, I, I told somebody today, and I'm going to give it to you, Flip, Matthew 24, 13, or 12 and 13 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Because of the sin and the iniquity that is becoming so, so, so uh, 
flagrant in our society, it's going to affect the Christians whether you want to be affected or not. It's like walking into a room uh, where there's smoke, and then you walk out, and somebody says, well, you smell like smoke. Well, you say, well, I, I didn't smoke anything, or I didn't do anything. It, my point is is that the, the, the iniquity, the sin of the world is getting so great, whether you like it or not, if you don't press inwardly, it will cause you to become indifferent. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It didn't say they, they were sinning. It said because iniquity would abound. The sin would abound. It would begin to have a negative effect on your life, whether you like it or not. So you've got to fight. First Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold to eternal life. You have to seize the eternal life, the kingdom of God. Satan is a, is a, is a, is a thief. Uh, Revelation 3, 10, 11, Hold that fast that thou hast that no man take thy crown. To him that overcometh, will I grant and sit with me in my throne, even as I also am overcome, and am set down with my father in his throne. You don't let nobody steal your crown. And, 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 and compromise is how we lose our crown. Compromise is how we lose our, our, our wedding garment. So I want to encourage you to crank it up. Start fasting, start praying, start meditating in the Word of God because that's where the vacuum is. We we got plenty of churches, we got plenty of pastors, but we don't have any spiritual leadership under the anointing and unction of the Holy Ghost. Brother Flip, I'm gonna give it to you, brother. Oh, Pastor Langford, that was <laughs> that's powerful. I, I as I'm as I'm listening to you and listen to Pastor Billy Crone, who did an excellent job just expositing what the church what the church was, and you answering this question about the leadership vacuum in our nation, which is a result of the leadership vacuum in our pulpits, um, and that spiritual leadership, which is really the lack of fathers. Fathers fathers have a heart for a family. Fathers are providers. They are protectors. And we remember in the last verse of the Old Testament, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of the children to their fathers, or I will smite the land with a curse. We are being smitten by God himself over the fact that we have abandoned him and his principles. And we are now standing as a church, and we are not representing the one who gave his life for the church, who gave birth to the church in Acts chapter 2, and who says that the gates of hell will not overcome or prevail against the church. And that word church means something. At first it was a nation. In the Old Testament we're talking about the nation Israel, where God chose the nation Israel from Abraham, Abram first, and then later Abraham, who became those... Uh, who, who, and the leaders who bore and brought forth that seed of the woman that was going to bring, uh, eventually, the second Adam, because the first Adam had failed, the second Adam, and that second Adam, who is Jesus, who was going to actually take back that which the devil had stolen from us, and that second Adam was going to manifest himself as soon as Jesus was crucified and he was raised from the dead 50 days later was the birthday, not of the nation Israel, 
but of the church of Jesus Christ? And, and that's a question that we simply have to ask ourselves. What is this church thing? Because as I was introduced to the Hagman family, I can talk to so many people who love the Hagmans and got so much from Doug and Joe and, and Sheila and Josh Tolley and, and uh, Pastor Wells uh, or John Wells and, and, I, and, and yet that was their church. That was, that was the one touch that they had from God that they knew that they weren't alone. But other than that, they couldn't find any church home. So many have no home in the church. They can't find a place. And so what is this thing called a church? Because the church, the, the word for church is ecclesia, as Billy Crone has already told us. Ecclesia is called out, ones that are called out and called together. Called out to do what? The same thing that the nation Israel was called to do, which is to... Uh, hear that those words that there is one God and to make that known to all of the earth there is one God but the nation Israel had failed and it failed miserably and the Old Testament ends with with the last word of the Old Testament is curse and then we have Matthew chapter 1 where we see the genealogy and then the birth of Jesus and how that's going to come about and here is God himself clothing himself in flesh coming here and saying, this is what I am. And in John, um, John chapter 2 and John chapter 3, we see that we beheld his glory, and he was full of grace and truth. We, we were actually with the temple of Almighty God. He was here with us. He made his dwelling with us. And he has called us now to make his name known in all the earth. So what is a church? Well, let me go back just to just take you back to Joshua chapter 24 a very interesting verse as Joshua is dealing with the nation Israel God wants to make himself known to all the nations and to all the world and he's going to do it through the nation Israel and uh, and and Joshua says this with with the people that are gathered together with him they are they have been rescued from Egypt saved out of Egypt and now they're in the land of the Amorites the Canaanites um, and they're and there were false gods in Egypt, and there are false gods in the land that they are occupying. And God says this in, in Joshua chapter uh, 20, 24, and I'm going to pick up in verse 14. He says this, the Word of God. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt. In other words, you, you abandon those false gods in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your that your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And they were all paganite pagans. Uh, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I want you just hear that. But as for me and my household, you know, what is the church? What, what, what is a household? A household is something that is bigger than just me. It's, it's my wife, Faye. It's uh, my five kids. It's my 16 grandchildren, and it's me. That's a household. And we are one thing 
together. We're unified. We're a unit. We're one thing together. Uh, well, what makes a church a church? It, uh, it's being one thing together. So when I talk to our kids and when I have all the grandkids and everybody around and our whole family around, I say this, that we are Benhams. Benhams are free. Thank God. What do Benhams fear? Benhams fear the Lord. Who do Benhams serve? Benhams serve King Jesus. You see, we're one thing together. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But our household is bigger than that. And it's important for our children to know and our grandchildren to know that they are a part of a family bigger than Benhams. We have a greater family. And they need to know that they are not just Benhams, they are Abraham's seed, the seed of the woman, and the children of God, and they have a heavenly father, and, and that they have, they have more than just me, but they have a great cloud of witnesses that have run the race of fate, and they have stood faithfully, this great um, hall of Fame in uh, and faith in, in Hebrews chapter eleven just pencils it all out that they were faithful and even though they did not receive what was promised they remained faithful to Almighty God because they were looking for a land that was not yet given to them but by faith they remained they lived and they died well in faith so a household is something that's bigger than us well as the nation israel failed and squandered all of its things and and the, and the northern kingdom got removed to assyria and then the southern kingdom ultimately in 596 gets taken um into persia and into babylon um what we have is a loss of a nation and you're wondering well god what will you do and the last word of that old testament in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, is curse. And you wonder, well, is that the end? And he said, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of the children to their fathers, or I will smite the land with a curse. And then Jesus came. And the temple of God came. Now we weren't just worshiping him at a temple, which was divided, you know, from the, the, the court of the Gentiles to the holy place, to the holy of holies, the court of the women, uh, the court of the men. And then the, in that holy of holies, there was in that holy of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. Now the Ark of the Covenant had become flesh, and we beheld his glory, and we began to see it. And this was God saying, I'm going to do a new thing. It's a thing that you do not know, but it's going to be a new thing. I'm going to create a household. In all of the four Gospels, you will never see one time, with the exception of Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, you will not see the word ecclesia, which is the called out ones, the church. In all of the four historical Gospels, you will not see that word one time. Because why? Well, because the church, Jesus, was here with us. The temple was here physically with us. It wasn't until his departure and him rising into heaven that the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, you see the birthday of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, what was this church? It was people being one thing together. 
It was people that were now brought all together. They were speaking in tongues, and people were understanding, and they were all in unity, and the Holy Spirit was now given, and Jesus now dwelled in each and every individual. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter even, even prophesied, this is that. He said, this is that, that Joel was telling us about in, uh, in, uh, in Joel chapter 2. This is that, that, you're, that you are going to see incredible things that are going on. I want to flip over to Acts chapter 2 just for a second to pick up a small um, little section of Scripture where Peter says, this is that. Brothers, I tell you, and... I'm almost there. In verse, uh, oh, in verse 15 of chapter 2, Peter now rises up. This, this faithless Peter who had denied Christ three times has now become a man of power. And he is experiencing things that he's never experienced before. And now supernatural power has been loosed from heaven because it was loosed from earth first as, as men began to apprehend this truth. And God was opening up his heavens and now pouring his spirit into the hearts of men that would stand for the Lord, that the whole world might know that there is another king and that his name is Jesus, not Gautama Buddha, not Mohammed, not any of the false gods, not Baal, not Ashtoreth, not Pan, not any of them. His name is Jesus, the only God there is. And in, in, uh, in verse uh, uh, 16, God says, this, These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all men. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders from heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is now power. And these people are brought together. And they are together in one spirit. And again, remember, in the Gospels, there is not one mention of Ecclesia with the exception of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And let me, let me say one more time, there, there is also another verse in Matthew 18, 17 where the word ecclesia is used. But the birthday of the church takes place in the book of Acts. And there we see what they were doing. What did they do? It tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Do you hear that, brothers and sisters of the Hagman audience and all of us that are lone rangers out there? You cannot run the race of faith yourself. You, if you hide your gifts and just, it's just you and your family and you're no bigger than that or just you, then believe me, you are de 
by your by the fact that you are not a part of the fellowship of believers, that you're not a part of this ecclesia, you are not in the will of God. You cannot try to lay on the Hagmans or, or uh, Miss Sheila Zelensky or uh, Josh Tolley or any of the radio folks that you have. They cannot be your pastors. They are not Jesus in the flesh to you. Yes, you will hear great messages from them. You will be deeply inspired by them. You will be encouraged to move further up and further into the kingdom, but you cannot do it on your own. Remember, Jesus did not send the disciples out, but by twos, not by one, saying, go and do this. We need each other. And if you're too independent to know that you need each other, and you can't love your brother enough to allow your gifts to be manifest to encourage him, then believe me, you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his instrument for moving his kingdom forth is his church. That is his bride. Now, this bride is surely blemished. She is surely dirty. We have men uh, that are preaching that do not know Jesus, and they are no more Christian than they are a poached egg. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that we need to find those places where we can serve. And as Billy um, Crone was saying, and if you can't find anyone, you you can travel a long distance and find one. And if you can't do that, then you start on your own. And you begin a church, and you begin to gather those around you, but you are more than just your family. And if we're going to become a potent force extending God's kingdom and allowing the light of the world to really be shown in all of the world and the salt of the earth really to begin to burn into men's souls and hearts, we are going to do it together as one-thingers, as those that are gathered together to do one thing, to fellowship one with another. So we need one another. And and these disciples did that. They In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What do we have? The Word of God. That is our artificial horizon. If you've ever flown on an airplane, you know that you need an artificial horizon. You can't just let your experience or what you feel determine what is objectively true or not. If you do, you'll be like Joseph Kennedy, who lost his way as he was um, as he was traveling oh, back to Cape Cod, he lost his way. He lost the horizon in the in the ocean and in the sky, and he got all fouled up. He did not trust that artificial horizon that was working perfectly. He didn't trust it. He began to trust his feelings, and he crashed that airplane. Just brought it nose down at about four hundred miles an hour right into the Atlantic Ocean. It was a heartbreaker, but it's because he hadn't trained himself, he hadn't learned to trust that artificial horizon. Listen, you and I have that artificial horizon. We have it right before us. It's called the Word of God. And if this and things don't match up with the Word of God, if it doesn't run through the grid of the Scripture, it cannot be right and it cannot be true. So we have this measure, and, we, and so we devote ourselves to the teaching of of the apostles, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let me tell you that when you have a church like this, and we are one thing together, and we begin to take on things like, uh, listen, a symptom of a problem we've got is with Target. Target is is a store that has decided to just open up its restrooms to any guy that wants to go in there, so long as he identifies or expresses himself as a woman. 
Let me tell you that this is just a symptom. We've got to get to the root. The root of this is a redefinition of truth. The devil himself is trying to redefine what is true. God made man and God made woman, and there is no trans in between. None. God made man, God made woman. God made marriage. God made marriage for what? The blessing and procreation of mankind. He did this. God did that so he could make himself known, so that man would take dominion over all the earth. Well, it didn't work out too well. We got nailed there in the garden when, uh, when Adam and Eve both partook of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And with that, as Adam sat back and allowed Eve to go ahead and do and enter into a conversation with Satan, she never should have... Adam was the one that was in charge of that of that garden, not Eve. Eve was a helpmate to help him along. And Adam sat back and watched her. And she went and she entered into that conversation and she took of that fruit. And the first thing that the devil asked her was this, did God really say? Yeah, let me just tell you, God, the devil is always asking questions like that and calling God's word into question. You can't really trust that. Don't trust that. Just like Joseph Kennedy, you can crash that airplane right into the sea if you don't trust that artificial horizon. If you don't keep your eye on the prize, you're going to go down. And, and, and so we need this word of God, and we need each other. But Adam lost all of his authority. And it was transferred to Eve, who gave it to the devil. When the second Adam came, he took all of that authority back. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command you, and lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. And he gives that to his church. Now, the church is the offensive weapon that God is going to use. This is where God's authority will begin to move powerfully. And you'll begin to see in the wake of the proclamation of the kingdom, letting the whole world know that there's a new sheriff in town and that his name is Jesus. As we do that together, what happens in the wake of all of this, that's the stuff that comes on along the side of proclaiming the kingdom of God. In the wake of all of this, you'll see miracles, you'll see healings, you'll see the blind seeing, you'll see the lame healed, you'll see amazing things that happen because God himself has opened up his heavens because we're doing exactly what God called us to do. When you see them united together like this, and unity is always a gift that comes from God, when you see God's people united like this, you begin to see power, and thousands begin to give their heart to Christ. And here are these people that are not that well educated, they're disciples that were all afraid and hiding in a room, and now they are proclaiming this gospel with power, and it's and it's an amazing power, and and so and you see now that this household of God is a lot bigger. We are one thing together, but we are bigger. We're more than just Benham's. We're more than just your family or mine. We are something far greater than that. And in Ephesians chapter two, you find as the apostle Paul is explaining this to the Ephesian church is saying that God has taken you from, that were once objects of wrath and now brought him into uh, brought yourselves into this incredible mercy of God you are no longer separated Jew and Gentile are now brought together this unity is a gift from God when we're lost in the vision and mission of God through his church 
And so in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this about Jew and Gentile, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's, here it is, household, church. Wow, this is the church. Now you see this word ecclesia used through all the epistles. They aren't lost epistles. They're right here for us. These are the epistles that tell us about the church and how God's plan has now transferred from the nation Israel now to his church. And we are so much more than we have become. And the reason that we're powerless is they're just, we're, we're not all one thing together. We, I mean, for crying out loud, you look at the church visible in the United States of America and you don't know what you're going to get when you walk into that church, if you're going to get the real gospel preached or not. And, and that's where it's incumbent upon you and me. And Billy Crone says, you do this hard work. Let's go and find the church. Let's get into the church. And if we can't find a church, well, we'll get some homeschool folks and we'll get together and we'll break open uh, God's word and the teaching of the apostles. And we're going to break bread together and we're going to fellowship one with another and we're going to pray. And this is what we're going to do. And we don't know how to do it, but God, you show they didn't know how to do it either, but there was a unity with them. And, and, and in that unity, there comes power. And then comes this incredible church of Jesus Christ that will turn the whole world upside down. And that's exactly what you see in Acts chapter 17. That this, these men have turned the whole world upside down. Really, they've turned it right side up. And what, a, what an amazing thing this is. What a power that we have. It's available to us, but we want to try all sorts of different ways to parent church ministries to do things, and so we're all doing other things, and we're all scattered all over the place, and we're wondering, are we the only ones left like Elijah? And God's saying, no, Elijah, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed and kissed the face of Baal. You've got to know that there are more. You just aren't together yet. You don't see each other yet. And that's why God gave birth to the church, and what he says is his intent this is this is verse 10 of chapter 3 in Ephesians his intent was that now through the church the ecclesia the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms Whoa, he's going to say, this church is going to show me not conservatism, not Donald Trump, not any political thing, none of that stuff. Christianity is going to be proved who she is through this marvelous bride, the church. And God has called his church into battle. This is when we win. Listen, here in the city of Charlotte, we're going to fight a battle. Now, we know that we can't rely on our friends in Raleigh to bail us out like they've tried to do with HB. Uh, 72. What we're going to do is we're going to remove this mayor, Jennifer Roberts, who started this whole thing, this whole transgendered bathroom thing. She started it. She got voted for that very purpose. And I got to tell her the night before last, I said, ma'am, you need to repent because, you know, woe to you. Um, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you cast into the depths of the sea that you cause one of these, the least of these little ones of mine to stumble. And she has caused confusion and chaos not only in our city and in our school system, but in our state and now all over the nation to the point where you see Target doing the, the, the most nonsensical, moronic thing that you could possibly imagine where, you know, that word moros, moron, I love the way Pastor Lankford has a way with words. Uh, and, and we have been turned 
turned into insanity. Well, all right, what are we going to do? We see what the church is. We understand that we're going to be one thing together. We see where the power comes from when we are together. We see where our unity comes from. It is a gift from God when we're lost in the vision and mission of his church. So what do we do? And that's the question for each and every one that is listening tonight. What are we going to do with this truth? Because the church is God's instrument to bring this enemy to heal. And if we're not going to be a part of the church, if we're not going to be a part of sharing our gifts with others, that the church might be edified, if we're not going to be busy ourselves building up the church, but we've got other ways, you know, we've got parachurch ministries that we'll get involved in, you know, they're really doing something, I've got news for you. You have got to learn to love God's church. And and I, I, I want to just give you an old saying. You know, to live above with saints we love. Oh, that will be glorious. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. I'm going to just tell you, that's exactly what happens. It's hard to be a part of the church. But God has his church. And he is watching over his church. And he makes his promise only to his church that the gates of hell will not prevail but they will forever prevail against conservatism republicanism they'll prevail against the supreme court they will prevail against everything they cannot prevail against the church of jesus christ we are called together to be one thing together the invisible church this is the church that you don't see but what unites us is our love for Jesus. We are born-again believers in Christ, and God now gives us a wonderful opportunity to be together. The wonderful thing about our radio audiences, the Hagman and Hagmans, of Doug and Joe, and the one, what they're doing, is they inspire us and remind us that we're not alone in this thing, and they call us to be a part of this church where where as we begin to proclaim the name of Jesus, there is great power. There are miracles that are happening, and that people are getting converted to Christ, and an incredible thing happens. That's what happened to us in Dallas when we were there, and Mike and Jeannie uh, and Doug and Joe put on Hear the Watchmen. Oh, Lord Jesus, that was so wonderful. We saw it. We did. We saw men and women come running to God and saying, Lord, just pour out your Spirit upon us and use us. Well, we got some uh, we got some little things in the next hour that are going to come. I'm going to turn this back over to John Robertson right now. But I hope you're encouraged about the church and what the church is. It's it's us one being one thing together. And and believe me, this church is in multitudinous places. You may not see it in the physical church that you're around, like the old United Methodist churches or Episcopal churches or the United Church of Christ, which is totally apostate, or the Presbyterian Church USA. But you see it. You saw it in Dallas, Texas. And I thank God uh, for the opportunity to just say what I have said on the Hagman and Hagman Report, because it was my first introduction to you. It was just a month ago in Dallas, Texas, and it was a wonderful experience for me, and I hope it was a wonderful experience for you. Pastor Flip Benham, amen. And yes, it was uh, so powerful, uh, so powerful. Um, we're going to be right back. Coach Dave is going to join us. And uh, Pastor Langford or Flip, which one of you guys are staying on? I, you know, I don't know what John has in store. Whatever whatever he says, we'll do. We'll, well figure I'll, it out I'll, at the break. We'll and we'll be right break. back.
This is the Global Star Radio Network. Treat your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We have such a great program. We are joined by uh, Reverend Flip Benham, Pastor David Langford, and now Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Their website's all linked off of HagmanandHagman.com in the show description for tonight. It's a little cumbersome to have this many, but um, it, it's important. I do want to thank, specifically thank, uh, Global Star Radio Network. What they're doing tonight, uh, what Todd is doing tonight is an extremely tedious job. And I just want to say thank you to our, our, our network, Global Star Radio Network. Thank you, Todd, for your hard work, for your patience, for your endurance. Thank you. Absolutely. Our heart, uh, our, our thanks go out to you tremendously. And before I, before I turn over to you, Joe, I just want to mention this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just as I believe in in my heart of hearts. This is not to slight anyone or disparage anyone at all. Or, or, uh, but uh, uh, um, Pastor David Langford appears on our program regularly. Uh, Reverend Flip Benham does as well. We often refer to Pastor David Langford as our pastor. Uh, now I, I say that only because I want to say this: we refer to Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer as our coach, as America's coach. But together we've got three dynamic individuals here, and I want to just point everyone to Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer's website, ptsalt.com, the Salt and Light Brigade as well. Um, what he has done. Before you do that, yes. I just want to let you know, during the break, the Southern Poverty Law Center called and stated if we have Coach Dave on, our show won't be on the air starting tomorrow. Okay. Well, that's the, that's a badge <laughs> of honor. You, you know, I, we are constantly getting threats from... Uh, uh, various, uh, hate watch groups and we we're called hate wa- uh, haters and such. And, and that's a bad badge of honor. Yes, it is. And, and I've got to say this. The more people that, that hate us, the, uh, the more we are, are fighting back. But, but the fact is, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, um, 
expended some shoe leather. You know, you as put a, de- a dent. Look, as a detective, you don't get things done until you expend the shoe leather. You can sit behind a computer all day long and analyze data and, and, and do this and that, but it's not until you, you hit the pavement and go out there and to, and to do the investigation. That's where you get the results. Coach Dave Dobmeyer, I'm going to tell you something. I am so proud to know you, and I'm so proud that you went out to Target, and I'm so proud that, that you made it, um, that, that your efforts were showcased on Breitbart, and I'm so proud that we were able to talk about what you did last night, yesterday, and today, and finally, I am proud that we are have, we have you on our show tonight. Just as I'm proud that we have Pastor David Langford and Reverend Flip Benham on. So, Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to shut up now, right. except to say this: we're not done yet. So, those people who want to shut us down, go for it because we aren't done yet. We have a job to do. Everyone has a job to do, and I'm fired up for that job. Okay. No, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, what a terrific panel. What a great show uh, John has put on for us. This is our uh, pastor, Flip Benham, Pastor David Langford, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, all together in one show, one hour. And we uh, are going to kick it off right now. I'm going to cur- turn it over to Coach Dave. Coach, you've been uh, making some noise, making some well, change, you know, Joe, affecting uh, some change. Somebody tell me... Uh early on in my ministry that you know you're having an impact when the pigs start squealing. And uh, we got them squealing. I want to uh, stop right here, though, and I want to tip my hat because I would not be uh, doing what I do were not for the mentorship of of, uh, Flip Benham. I love uh, Flip Benham like a brother. You know, we uh, we hear so much about homosexuality and all that kind of stuff. Uh, David loved Jonathan. And there's a bond, something that occurs when a man pours out his life into another man. And Flip did that for me for about 10 years. And I know that Flip's heart would be that whatever he poured into me would, as he likes to say, would pro- propel me over the top of his body as he lays on the bar, bar, uh, barbed wire that he would propel me into greater things. And I just uh, thank God for Pastor Langford. I love Pastor Langford and... I don't want to turn this into a love fest, brothers, but there's something about a love of the brotherhood and uh, a love that one brother has for another that is that is just, uh, it's hard to define. And so, uh, you know, yeah, we've we've been uh, we've been pounding knots on the devil's head here in in the Ohio area. I got I got a vision uh, about this whole target thing. It broke broke loose just a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, they 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 mentioned the fact that. Um, they were opening their bathrooms to transgenders. You know, for some reason, they think that's a good idea for the life of me. For a family department store, I think that's a good idea. I, I just can't figure it out. I stood on it for a while, and then finally I showed up at Target, and I took a little little camera with me, and I walked in, and I just went right to the horse's mouth, Matthew 18. So I read all this stuff on the Internet. I just want to know, what's, what is your policy? And the manager, sweet little girl, about 26 years old, don't send a girl to do a man's job. <laughs> That's part of it. She uh, she just looked me right dead in the eye and said, oh, yeah, yeah, a, a man can walk into a woman's restroom here. I said, what are the requirements? Well, all you have to do is say today you feel like you're a man. I got it on tape, fellas. I've got this on tape. I said, you mean to tell me that I could right now go over and walk right into that bathroom over that women's restroom? She says, yes, if you you believe you're a woman. So I went home, I posted the video, which, by the way, went viral. We did make the, the Breitbart uh, homepage with it. 
but uh, it, it became more than I even, even thought it would become. Went back the next day. I learned all this from Flip. Went back the next day, took my 29-year-old daughter, walked in, walked her into the bathroom, and then stood outside the door of the bathroom at Target. You walk right in Target, the bathroom's right there. So it's not like I had to go back in the back or back in some corner. The front door is there, the restroom as soon as you walk in the door. I stood right between the entrance of the door and the restroom and held my sign. My sign said simply, caution, men are welcome. No, uh, men may be in women's restrooms. I stood there for about five minutes. Some little girl came up. One of the managers tried to move me out. This is all on video. They can People have probably seen it anyway. And, uh, you know, I just got it all on film. Cops came. I've never seen anything like it, Flip. I know that you, you've been, um, you've confronted the cops more than I have. I've never seen, I've never seen cops so humble. Uh, Target did not want to enforce their policy. They couldn't, they couldn't explain their policy. The police officers couldn't look me in the eye because they couldn't explain the policy. They could not explain why a woman could go into a restroom, have some uh, expectation of a modicum of privacy, not any man within the city of Heath, Ohio, could walk in that restroom and nobody would stop him. Well, it's begun to go viral. In fact, I just tonight we went over had another another event out there. We got some Christians out on the street holding some signs, raising up a standard against them. And uh, uh, I'm just excited to play a part of this. We're going to turn this into a national movement. We're going to we're going to win this battle because guys, listen to listen. This battle is not about transgender re- uh, restrooms. It's not about homosexuals. It's not about any of that stuff. It's the enemy of the, our soul trying to destroy everything godly, trying to destroy every anchor, every rock, every precept of righteousness in this nation. They started it. See, they did it backwards. They started at the top. They went for marriage first. And after they pushed over marriage, well, bathrooms are nothing. Nothing to get bathrooms. And that's where they're moving right now. And they're, they're smart enough to understand that Christians aren't going to do anything. The cops know Christians aren't going to do anything. Oh, we're going to boycott Target. We're going to sign petitions. We're going to do that same usual malarkey that we always do. But uh, they know that they're not going to have any pushback for us. So I said, this is it, man. I am. Hey, fellas, I got a wife and two daughters and two granddaughters. And I'll, I'll be daggone if I'm going to sit back as a godly man. And cower in fear that someone's going to say something mean about me or somebody's going to write something bad about me in the news, which they are, I'm going to go defend, as a Christian man would do, the honor of my wife and my daughters to walk into a restroom without fear of some man walking in behind them. So we're launching, we're pushing back against this darkness. Guys, listen to me. Please understand this. We cannot win if we don't show up. It's easy to boycott. It's easy to sign a petition. But it's something dynamic. Flip Flip could amen this. There's something dynamic that happens when a man of God shows up on the street in front of evil and says, No, no more, not any farther. And I believe that that's what we're going to ignite all around this nation. And I will tell you this. But if we don't, this isn't just about Target tonight, my friends. This is about men, godly men in general, and rising up 
to be the men of God that Christ has called us to be. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if that scripture is true, and we all believe that it is, can somebody explain to me why the devil is running roughshod over the body of Christ? Can somebody explain that to me? I can tell you why. I saw yesterday when those police officers came out, I understood immediately what was going on. They knew that if they just were nice enough to me and got me to leave and go home, that Christians were going to go back and turn on uh, Jan and Paul Crouch and watch Christian TV and let the world <laughs> go to hell waiting on the rapture. I said, they know that if they can just run off the clock on a flip. It reminds me of when we were down with Judge Rory Moore back in 2004, mm. I think it was. I will never forget one of those guards. Talk. I asked one of those guards what they were going to do. I was new to the battle. And he said, oh, he said, we'll just wait them out a few days here, and then uh, they'll, they'll get tired and they'll go home. And flip, that's exactly what happened. And so they know that that's going to happen to us. And the homosexual mafia is unrelenting. They never stop. Now, I've had the opportunity to be on the Hagman and Hagman Report several times, and I always consider it an honor to come on with you guys. I well, listen to you tonight. You know, it's exactly. such an honor. Yeah. Go I'm going to pat you on the back, brother, because I saw fire from you again last night. I've seen fire from you, Doug. I've I got to be honest with you. I didn't see in you uh, six months ago, a year ago. I'm starting to see that the Lord is getting a hold of your heart, brother, to understand the bigger picture of exactly what's going on. Yeah, and those, amen. those of us, Flip Benham taught me this, that Christ called us to die. Flip came up with a line that I use all the time, and they think I'm a wise guy because I, I use it, but Flip taught it to me. Everybody wants to follow Jesus till they find out where he's gone. He's gone to a cross, and he's asking us to pick up ours and follow him. Amen, Flip. <laughs> brother, Amen, brother. And, and we are in a society and in a culture where godly men in particular will not answer the call. And Pastor Langford and Pastor uh, Billy, who was on earlier, are exactly right. They will not answer the call because the men standing in the pulpit not only don't call them to the battle, but stand in the gap and prevent them from going to the battle. And as a result, men are leaving church. Men are, their families are dropping out. We want to know why, why we go down to Dallas. And there are 750, 800, however men were there, and that altar call that Flip Benham gave, and those men came forward. I saw, Flip, I saw the most dynamic thing after you did that altar call, and the men came forward, and you prayed with those men. When you got done praying with those men, you said, will the wives come forward? And Flip, I stood up on that stage from a distance, and I watched as those women came up. And they went to their husbands, and they wrapped their arms around their husbands, and they snuggled right under their arm like a like you would snuggle under a wing. And the Lord showed me how much women want their men to be men. But we're not hearing it in the church. We're into capitulation and compromise and worried about uh, public opinion and what this person might say and looking like a Christian and acting like a Christian and not being harsh and not turning people off from the gospel. And all this time that we're trying to be nicer than Jesus, the enemy is eating our stinking lunch. Amen. It should not be so, brothers. It should not be so. 
and I've come back from from the hear the watchman down in Dallas, and I've got all these names and all these emails from these guys that flip called forward. I, listen, brothers, I'm just going to tell them like it is. I'm a coach. I'm a straight shooter. And we organize all these names and all these emails, and we're trying to do a boot camp down in, in Texas. We're going to wake up men. We're going to do a boot camp this weekend in St. Louis, Missouri. And you know what? Those same men who are listening right now won't even respond to a stinking email. They won't even respond to a stinking email because it might cost them something. And Jesus said, don't you bring me anything that cost you nothing. And we want the gospel of Jesus, and we want the advancement of the gospel on the cheap. We want to fight a war with no casualties. We want to fight a video war. We want to be able to sit in front of our computers and type emails to Hagman and Hagman, and type emails to David Langford, and type emails all of, and never get our stinking hind ends out of our chair. I'm telling you, listen to me. You hear me good. The Lord is calling godly men out of their comfort zone. I learned it from Flip. When I got sued by the ACLU in 1999 and I went through that battle with them, it hardened me. But it didn't really strengthen me the way that I needed to be. And I thought I was something when I was nothing. I began to hang around Flip, Operation Save America, and some of the great things that they were doing and some of the great battles they were fighting. And I went around and followed Flip, and I followed Rusty Thomas, and I followed some of those guys, and I found this out, man. Courage is contagious. And I found that when I hung around Flip, and I saw him stare down the sodomites, and I saw him stare down the police, when I saw him uncompromising, something grew deep inside me. And I stand where I am today because of the courageous example Reverend Flip Benham set for me. I'm 63 years old. I'm not some spring chicken. Flip's a few years older than me, but he was a mentor to me in times when he didn't even know he was. Now, Doug and Joe and Pastor David and Pastor Billy, and I'm the only, and Pastor Flip, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm a, I'm a coach, man. I'm a, I never had to worry about building a church and pleasing people and wiping noses. I've never had to do that. I've always been a tell-it-like-it-is kind of guy. Always have been. And I'm here to tell you right now that if godly men, will take the opportunity that we are trying to present to them now where we will come to them and train them to go out on the street and contend for the faith, to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. If they will just come and be trained and help us to draw them out of their comfort, comfort zone and to let them go out and stare down the enemy and feel that spirit of Christ that rises up inside of you when that spirit hits you that is addicting. It's addicting. And I'm the Christian that I am today. Not because I go to church. I'm for going to church. I got a great pastor, Pastor Bill Dunphy in Warsaw. I got a great pastor, a great man of God who leads his sheep out. 
I'm the man of God I am today because I had examples like Flip Benham of guys who, when I went to the streets, showed me what real biblical Christian manhood was all about. Doug and Joe, I'm offering that right now. We started the Salt and Light Brigade to try to help men go out there. Can I tell you something? Listen, they're big, stinking talkers. They're just big talkers. Flip tells that story about that Lion King when little Simba looks in the face of his daddy and his daddy says to him that you are so much more than you have become. And I look at Christian men and the state that we're in and the war is raging and the devil's kids are running rampant and they're raising their hell. They're doing everything. Can. They're spitting at the cross. They're spitting at Christ. You know, I, I quoted the other day, I, I came across this quote. This quote, it just broke me down. It broke me down. Pastor Richard Wormbrand, when, when he was in the struggle, uh, like all of us, he didn't want to go to the battle because he knew that every time you step outside and every time you go, it is risking it all. His wife said to him, get out of this house. Are you listening to me, folks? Are you listening to me all across this America? Pastor Richard Wormbrand's wife said to him, you get out of this house and you go wipe the shame off of your Savior's face. Gotta break Amen. it down, boys. Amen. Gotta break Coach it Dave. down. And, and I'm gonna you see. We, we want to. We want to love the Lord. We just don't want to sacrifice or die for Him. And I believe that's what the Lord's calling us to do. Pastor Langford, I'm going to turn it over to you. You talk a lot about the conformity, uh, the conforming of the church to the world, uh, and this apostasy that we see, this lack of obedience. Can you can you expand on that? Well, as I said earlier, it's a grave tragedy in that political correctness has pervaded the church. And uh, you know, I, I don't mind calling names. I, I get called names, so I call names. But you know, just like Joy Osteen went to the Houston lesbian mayor's wedding, so instead of rebuking or reproving. He endorsed what she did, and yet tens of thousands of people will listen to that guy's preaching and laud him and extol him as though he is some great man of God. He is, he's not a man of God. The Bible says in Matthew 11 and 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, it's gotten by force. It's not gotten by saying, would you please give it to me? You have to stand up and fight. That's why Paul gave the exegesis in Ephesians 6 about putting on the whole armor of God. The Sodomites, if you go back to Genesis 19 and begin at verse 9, and they said, stand back, and they that again, this one fellow came into sojourn, talking about Lot. He will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee, Lot, than with them, the two angels? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men, or the angels, put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house to them, shut to the door, 
And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they wearied themselves to find the door. You know, I would like to think if I was smitten with blindness, there would be an element of humility, contrition, fear, uh, trepidation of what just happened in my life. These people, Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And, and, and so the Christian, these people aren't Christian. Christians bear a cross. Matthew fifteen eight nine. This people draw not to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for daughters the commandments of men. You know, a preacher like myself is not welcome in the nominal church anymore. You know, 20 years ago, uh, 22 years ago, uh, when I first began to oppose the church of God, uh, it became a perpetual battle and struggle. God is done. God is through with denominations. They're toast, they're fried, they're burnt, they're wasted, and these mega churches, they're nothing but more than but sheer country clubs where it's entertainment, it's about lights, it's about music. It's never about repentance. It's never about getting filled and full of the Spirit of God and taking it out into the world. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But you can't tell a dime's difference today in a Christian and a sinner. I mean, it, it, there's no difference. Uh, the, the church looks like the world, and the world looks like the church. And uh, men are cowards. They're afraid to preach against anything. They won't say anything about any kind of sin. But that's what needs to be preached, and that's what brings conviction. And conviction stirs us to do something about what's taking place. Uh, in, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 5, it says that Jesus looked on them with anger. He, he could read, he could discern their hearts. Uh, they were doubting who he was, what he was, but it, but it says clearly he, he looked on them with anger uh, because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. And he looked at them with anger because of the hardness and the blindness. That's what the word hardness means, the blindness of their hearts. I said uh, Mark 5 is Mark 3. But he saw that. Sin makes us callous. Sin makes us hard-hearted. Sin makes us impotent. Sin makes us uh, evil. Uh, that's why it's called the tree of good and of evil, not the tree of good and of sin. It's the tree of good and of evil, because evil is the result of sin. And, you know, as a pastor, I, I hear it all the time, where can I find me a good church? I know it's grave. It's difficult to find a good church. But Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's how revival starts. When two or three people get together and start praying and say, let's go out as a, as a team and witness and do something for Jesus, it will begin to grow. It will begin to grow. And, and that's what needs to take place. And, you know, I, I'm concerned. I, I'm concerned of, of, of the condition of the church. Anybody that has half a brain and one eye, can spiritually discern we're in grave trouble. And the leadership, 
that's the purported leadership of the church is not leading us, but rather they're 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 they're, they're leading us off a, a path of destruction, a path of, of death, a path of chaos. They're not they're not leading men to repentance. You never hear preachers preach on repentance, lay down your sins and pick up your cross, and and, and so this is why temporarily, I believe God is raising up these radio programs like Joe and Doug to fill the void, the vacuity. Till we can, till we can grow, uh, like Flip and, and and Coach, and go out. You know, I'm a preacher. Everybody has their gift. I don't claim to be nothing but a preacher. That's that's what God called me to do. Uh, Paul said, "Wherefore I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I am a preacher. My job is to preach the word uncompromisingly. We are a body." We are a church, as Flip well said a while ago. Uh, Flip, there's a scripture in Acts 7.38 which says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Israel was supposed to have been the church to get the job done, but they backslid, they turned their hearts against God, and they failed. And so now the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ, is now supposed to pick up the torch, wield the sword of the Lord, wave the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ, and yes, you're going to suffer. Uh, Galatians 6.17, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are battle scars. There are going to be wounds. There are going to be injuries. Why? Because you've gotten into the battle. And so people today want to say, I'm a Christian, but they don't want any kind of a confrontation. See, they, 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 they've got this idea that we're supposed to be passive. We're, we're supposed to just be slapped around, kicked around. No. No, Paul said, I fought a good fight. This is a good fight. It's worth fighting for. And you just can't lay by the wayside and say, you know, uh, twill be what will be. No. You, you've got to make a difference. You've got to get salty again. You've got to let the light of the Holy Spirit burn bright in your heart again. You've got to get on fire for God. Every time there's a fire and the fire trucks pull out, people that are on the highway follow the fire trucks to go see where the fire is because they're going to, come, they're going to go and watch it burn. Well, the church is not on fire, so nobody cares about coming out and watching it burn. But if the church would get on fire, and, and it's up to the individual. The Holy Ghost is communicable. It's transferable. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus told Peter in Luke twenty two thirty one. he said, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that it might sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fell not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren." It's our job to strengthen you, to encourage you, that you will go out and you will fight the good fight of faith. And, you know, regretfully, so many men, I, I hate to say it, but they're, they're, they're not men. They're, 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 they're wimps. Uh, they don't pray. They don't pray with their wives. They don't pray with their family. They don't pray with their children. They're, they're like cowards. You know, like like being a Christian is is is, is a weakling. Uh, it, it's like well, you're 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 incompetent. No, anybody can be a drunk. Anybody can smoke weed. Anybody can live in sin. It takes somebody that has the touch of God to say, "I'm going to make a difference." And I say all the time to people, "How many people have you ever led to the Lord?" 
men are afraid to even witness to somebody on the street. I've, I've witnessed in parking lots, uh, car lots, mobile home lots, grocery stores, uh, prayed in hotels, lobbies, prayed on airplanes. I'm not ashamed to pray anywhere. And until the church gets on fire, you're going to continue to witness the demise of what we see as the church. And I, I appreciate uh, what uh, Flip and, and, and Coach Dave do. This is what's got to be done. And as he well said, you know, boycotting is good. Stand up. But we've got to do more than boycott. You see, uh, I, I wish to God everybody would stop going to the NBA basketball games. All these so-called Christian men. Well, now, because of HB2, the NBA says, well, we're not coming to Charlotte next year. Uh, PayPal was going to bring 400 jobs to Charlotte. Now we're not going to bring the jobs. We've got to fight back just like they're fighting us. They were going to knock the doors down of Lot's house. They're militant. They're fighting us. And we've got to learn to to pick up our sword and fight. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I just wanted to interject this. What, What would happen to Target? If, let's say, they took the other side, uh, instead of implementing a transgender policy, what if they implemented a policy to keep things the same? How long would their doors be open from the oppression of the government and the media? I mean, would they sit back? Would the government sit back? Would the media sit back and let them do that? well, no. the, 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 the sad thing is, you know, common sense tells me sodomites are running Target. Corporate is is, 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 is full of sodomites. Pastor and David, so, if I could jump in here real quick. Go ahead. Go I ahead. heard where the governor, I believe it was of North Carolina, although I could be wrong, he said that the sodomite, he didn't call them that, he said that the gay agenda, those people are more powerful than the NRA. That ought to tell us something. They, they're controlling Hollywood. They're, listen, uh, uh, what's your name? Roberts uh, on Good Morning America. All these, listen, the whole shooting caboodle is full of Sodomites. I mean, look what Joan happened to Joan Rivers when she said we got a train in the White House and the first homosexual. Two weeks, she's dead. It, it, it has engulfed this scenario. People want to talk about uh, Noah's Day and giants. You better start talking about Lot's Day. <laughs> See, this, this is this is this is the destruction of humanity. It, 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 they were, tried to corrupt the seed of man, so God brought about the Noahian, the Noahic flood, the Noahian flood. But the difference is, you have the same end results through sodomy, because they cannot procreate, so they have to recruit, and so that's why they, they they're saying going go into the bathrooms and and, and start doing this. The, uh, any church. They would now let the Boy Scouts use their facilities and embrace sodomy. That church is an apostate church. See? But but nobody's willing to say that because that's too crude, that's too hard. But any pastor that would subject his church facilities to a group of sodomites, he's already reprobate. See? That's the problem. When you become a reprobate... That's because you did not like to retain God in your knowledge or in your thinking. Uh, Psalms 10.4, 
The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. These people do not think godly in any capacity. Their mind is not on God. Their mind is on their debauchery. Their mind is on their debasedness and their sin and their filth and their immorality. That's all they think about. I mean, uh, Gene Antonio wrote a book entitled The AIDS Cover-Up, and uh, one of the most bizarre books I've ever read. I didn't know how filthy and vile homosexuals were until I read this. I mean, folks, they call it fudge sports where they smear defecation on each other, or the golden showers, where they urinate on each other. These people are filthy. I mean, they're filthy as sin can be. And yet, they, God made me this way. No, sin makes these people what they are. Sin makes you a drunkard. Sin makes you a liar. Sin makes you an adulterer. It is sin. And nobody wants to preach against it or say anything about it, so it's gotten totally out of control. And we're in the crisis we're in. And, and you know, if we don't soon wake up and turn, there's, I, I, I just felt in my spirit today, there's something bad lurking. There, there is something that is unbelievable. If you think 9-11 was tragic, or Fukushima, that that tsunami or or the financial debacle in 2008 if you think that was bad you haven't seen anything yet all god uh, isaiah 63:10 says but they rebelled and vexed his holy spirit therefore was he turned to be their enemy and he fought against them exodus 15:3 says the lord is a man of war the lord is his name when god starts making war you don't have a prayer. When God says, I'm going to arise and the enemies are going to be scattered, they're going to, we're going to be scattered like chaff in the wind and cry and plead and beg for mercy. But it'll be too late. And I believe God is wanting to give us an opportunity to stand and, and, and do what's right. And if we, this is probably our last opportunity. If we don't, if we don't take a stand... And I mean really stand. I'm not talking about this half-hearted, you know, sign a petition. I mean take a stand. Because, brother, that's what they've done to us. They're, they're, it's like I said to two preachers today. Had my parents in 1962, 1963, when they took prayer out of the school, if every so-called Christian mom and dad would have said, okay, we'll not put our children back in school till you reverse it. They, they couldn't have locked everybody up, but the Christians won't fight back. That's what Coach is trying to tell you. you got to fight back. You can't just sit there. You have to fight back. We have to do something. And, and, and regretfully, we're, we're, we're a bunch of cowardice in spirit and in heart. And that, that's why after Moses died, you know, uh, we have what I call the death of leadership. Moses died and, of course, Joshua took his place. And after that, that was the end of it, judges, prophets, etc. But he told Joshua, Joshua 1 and 9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God tells every one of us, be of good courage. When God is on our side, we're supposed to win. When, 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 when uh, Joshua went out to fight the Amorites, 
and he lost 36 Israeli soldiers. He came back and he said, God, what's the problem? And God said, you got sin in the camp. Achan has stolen a wedge of gold. And because of that sin of disobedience, it cost 36 men and families their husband or their, their sons. This is what happens when we let sin get out of control. And the only thing that can control sin is preaching the word, the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. You take that out, sin is like a malignant cancer. It spreads rapidly, and it knows no boundaries. And that's the problem. We've just, we just took a, a nonchalant uh, disposition. Uh, I, I, I want to be careful what I say tonight, but, but I'm telling you, you need to come out of these whorish denominations, these whorish churches, and if it ain't but you and your wife and your children, have church in your home, invite people over. If, if, if Flip shared from Acts chapter 2, they went from house to house breaking bread and continuing in the apostles' doctrine. See, the epistles are the rules for the ball game. The gospel's to every creature. But once you get saved, there are rules and there are guidelines, and we're violating every one of them today. Every one of them are being violated. And we, you know, we, we, we better have an experience with God, because if we don't, we're going to lose it all. I'll give it back to uh, Joe. I'll give it back to you, Joe, and you can do what you want to. Hey, Joe, if I could jump in here just real quickly. I'm looking at my computer right now, and this is kind of a, even a setup for Flip. Raleigh, North Carolina. That's right down where you live there, isn't it, Flip, sir? Yes, sir. Hey, it's our capital. I'm looking at Life News, Flip. 54 pro-LGBT activists were arrested yesterday in North Carolina. Yeah, See, they're doing what? Their, they're committed to their cause. 54 of them would not bow to what they thought was an unrighteous, from their perspective, ruling. Flip, is that kind of commitment in the heart of the average Christian man today? No. I, I, let, me, let me just give you a quote from a guy, and I, I want you to hear this. Um, you know him. His, it's his Martin Luther King, and he said this, You may be 38 years old, as, as I happen to be, and one day some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause. And you refuse to do it because you're afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You're afraid that you will lose your job, or you're afraid that you'll be criticized, or that you will lose your popularity, or you're afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot you or bomb your house, so you refuse to take the stand. Well, you may go on and live until you're 90, but you're just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. And the cessation of breathing in your life is but a belated announcement of an earlier death of the Spirit. You died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You refused to stand up for justice. And that was uh, Martin Luther King, and he, and he preached that at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in downtown Atlanta on November 5th, 1967. And he was assassinated five months later on April 4th, 1968. So, 
You know, some of these things are going to cost us, but it's about time. As I'm just hearing you guys, my heart is stirred. I'm hearing that trumpet sound, and uh, and I and I just got this last quote, and this is Martin Luther King Jr. too, and this is a letter from a Birmingham jail coach. You know what? Most of the New Testament was written from jail, so That's listen, right. this shouldn't be unusual. Why why would a man go to jail? Listen to what Martin Luther King says in his letter from a Birmingham jail. This was written on April. April 16th, 1963. He said this, There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. By their effort and example, they brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contests. Things are different now. So often the contemporary church is a weak and effectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. We are so far from this fire breathing, gospel-proclaiming power that God has for us. We have shrunk back, and it's time, whether with many or with few, our God is able to save. And gentlemen, he does it through his church. I want to share one verse, and I'm not going to say anything else, but I want to share, and I've quoted this hundreds of times, but, but tonight it's very apropos, Acts twenty twenty four. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's the problem. Paul said, I count not my life dear unto myself. The problem with most church people, they count their life so dear to themselves that they won't do anything so Paul that's why he's writing this neither count I my life dear unto myself why so that I might finish my course with joy you know I, the natural man does not want to die but Paul said I die daily so if you're already dead even Jesus said you know after they kill you what's left that they can do to you so don't fear them, but you fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. So the, the, the fear, the reverence has got to be toward God 
and not men or jail or whatever. I know it's bad. I just we did a recording just a, two weeks ago at Jim Baker, and I made a statement. He said, "Brother, I'll kill you for that." I said, "That's all right. I don't count my life dear to myself." You see, that's the problem. We count our lives so dear to ourselves. Paul said in Philippians one twenty twenty one, so that also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I'm done. Very well said, Pastor Langford. Let me throw this out there because I know you have to throw it to flip to talk about getting men in the Bible. I'm just yeah. looking up here at, at Hebrews, book of Hebrews 10.25. Scripture says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Guys, listen, assembling doesn't mean just gathering together. One of the worst words I can ever remember when I had young kids was when I'd get a new new present and it said, some assembly required. <laughs> We're putting the parts together. Hagman and Hagman is assembling the body even more as we see the day approaching. It's not just gathering together and breaking chicken bones. It's putting the body of Christ together in a functioning, moving powerful body to advance the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Flip, I know you want to talk about uh, about the Bible reading schedule. And by the way, no one gave us the instruction manual, or if they did, it's all in Japanese or French. <laughs> Amen. Whoever wrote those manuals never put it together, I can promise you that. Alright, well we have uh, um, we want to draw attention to uh, Benham Brothers.com. Uh, Flip, I'm going to let you talk about this. Then, if you want to kick it back to me, I'll uh, jump in with what American Survival Wholesale has offered to do. Sure, and, it, and it's a great thing that they've offered to do, but we have a Bible reading schedule for every one of you. One of the things that uh, uh, the church and, and the early church did is it devoted itself to the fellowship and the breaking of bread was to the, the doctrine of the apostles. And we have that doctrine in the 66 books of the Bible, and we have a Bible reading schedule that we're going to get into your hands. If you need a hard copy, we're going we're gonna to get that into your hands. And if you would like to just look it up on the website... Um, you can go to BenhamBrothers.com, uh, BenhamBrothers.com, and you can pick up this Bible reading schedule and also a Bible app. And that Bible app is a Bible study that I do with the boys, and, they, and they're the ones, my sons, that lead this Bible study. But we've been reading through this Bible reading plan now since 1980. Together, that means that wherever I am, I'm reading. You know, when I'm reading Ruth, they're reading Ruth, and what it does is it keeps us together. And so, when they're asking me questions about what we're reading, I'm reading the same thing that they are, and and it just it, it generates so much conversation, and we have so much to talk about, and it's all about the Bible. And you get and you read through the entire Bible in one year. And listen, you need some structure if you're going to try and get through the Bible on your own, you're not going to make it. You'll be like me. You know, I read a lot of books about the Bible, but I never read the Bible. And, uh, and and so I got to the point where I felt like, God, I've got to get in your word, but I need some help. I need some structure. And this Bible reading schedule that we've been 
that we've been using now since 1984 is going to be placed in your hands. And and on the back of this Bible reading schedule, I have the, the seven biblical characteristics of David's fighting men to be passed on to our children. Gentlemen, if you want to involve your kids in godly ministries, you need to be involved in them yourself, in godly endeavor, endeavors, in great adventures, uh, in great opportunities to, to, to walk out. And it may be dangerous for sure. But you're never safer than when you're walking in God's will, uh, that you would be, you know, hiding at home or in a castle or in the woods somewhere, high up on a mountain, waiting for the world to come to an end. You need to be in the battle. We were born again for a battle, for a fight. Men were born to fight, and and that's what we do. And uh, and so when. With this, you're going to hear a clear trumpet sound, and you're going to find God enabling you to be in that Bible every single day. Give us this day our daily bread, and God wants to give that to you, and we want to place it in your hand, and the Hagmans have been kind enough, and John Robertson is is the one that thought about this, that we will place this in your hands. We will get it to you in any way that we possibly can, and will all of us be on the same Bible reading schedule, the same plan, and we'll get through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we'll be done with it in a year. And, uh, and this is yours without any charge to you, and just our great pleasure to get it into your hands to help you to do and to discipline yourself to do that which God desires you to do. And you will be greatly blessed, and you will become a blessing and a true light, and you'll become like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So thanks, Doug and Joe, for doing this. Thank John Robertson. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Dave Pastoral. Langford, and uh, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done to give us the opportunity to proclaim your word this evening. Amen. Amen. And before we let you guys go, I want to make this quick announcement. For anybody out there who might not have uh, access to a computer or the ability to use the, the computer or electronics to do the Bible program, American Survival Wholesale is uh, teaming up with this initiative, with the BenhamBrothers.com initiative, to provide hard copies to anybody who needs them. Go to AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com and... Uh, there you will you can sign up to get a hard copy of the Benham Brothers Bible study. Thank you, Chance. Yes, and we want to thank uh, we want to thank Pastor David Langford, uh, Reverend Philip Benham, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, uh, th- three great men, three great men, and, and, and s- such a great such great examples of Christian men. Thank you so much for being part of this program. We know it was cumbersome. We know, it, you know, it was a little bit uh, wild uh, having so many people on. But uh, but thank you for all of your efforts and for your appearance tonight. Thank you for having me and uh, the, all of us on there tonight. God bless you all. Have a great uh, evening. God bless you. Pastor David hey, Lankford, God bless you, Doug. Hey, Doug, by the way, yes, I yes. love the book. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Coach, God, God bless, bless you. you. Thank you, you keep guys. up the good work. God bless you too, Flip. Uh, can't wait to have you back on the show. And uh, thank, thank you, you so for your passion and, and your hard work being on the front lines as well. Uh, all three gentlemen are, are uh, much needed in, in today's uh, church age that seems to be conforming to the world. We need strong <clears throat> men in the pulpit who are not afraid to stick to what Jesus said. Uh, without any hesitation or fear of repercussion. So God bless each and every one of you. Um, 
And we want to say thank you so much to uh, Todd from Mer- or from Global uh, Star Radio Network. Thank you so much, Todd, for your, uh, <laughs> your The tip's going to come out of my dad's side of the That's, that's right. The that's right. God bless you all. Good tomorrow night. night, open lines, which we usually do on Wednesdays, but we'll be doing it tomorrow. Have a good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network. The Genesis Communications Network.